please remember to fill out a comment card. If you would like to speak for the open public comment, that is at the beginning of the meeting now. Thank you. Meeting call to order. Roll call, please. Commissioner Ackerman? Here. Commissioner Amendola? Present. Commissioner Armbrister? Here. Commissioner Mulligan? Here. Commissioner Savage? Here. Vice Chair Aranio? Here. Chair Clyte? Here. Restored our business minutes. Excuse me, Madam Chair. Oh, I'm sorry, public comment. Actually, uh, no, uh, Chair Clyte, um, we would like to thank you oh. for your service here. Um, this is our chair's last commission meeting. Um, she is moving on to bigger and better things, and um, we hope. Um, and we want to thank you for the time that you've put in and the um, major projects that you helped be part of to get going. So um, we have a service award here. We, we rounded you out to two years, and so thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know if anyone else had any comments or good wishes for the, the chair. I have some comments. No, but I've really enjoyed getting to know you. We got on the commission at exactly the same time. And we learned our way around the, together. Um, I think your knowledge of hydrogeology and your technical expertise and your understanding of how technical reports go together um, have really been beneficial to the commission. And all your work on you know keeping keeping rates as low as we can and ensuring reliability, you you put a lot of thought into it and and made some mm -hmm. considered decisions and motions. And I think it's really benefited the city. So. I think your service is appreciated, and I'm going to miss you. But enjoy your time up the coast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that. Um, it's been a real pleasure to serve, and um, I have some comments at the end. So we'll get back to business here. <laughs> All right, so public comment first. So I believe we have one. We have Mr. Bob Alviani. And for the record, um, uh, Chair Clyte, uh, Bob has asked for six minutes of time, um, and that has been approved through your... Yes. Okay. All right. Six minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Is this on? Don't tell me if that's on or not. It is? Okay. Yep. Madam Chair. Commissioners, thank you very much for the added time as far as speaking. Um, I usually don't time my comments, and uh, there have been many a time in which I've had an opportunity to speak, and uh, you get right to the very end, and then suddenly you're cut off. I really didn't want that to happen this time. Uh, I also know that the chair does have the authority with the commissioners, unless anyone objects, to allowing me the extra time. I spent 17 and a half years as chairman of the Ventura Housing Authority. I had over 20 years with the Chamber of Commerce Board, so I've had a little bit of uh, time and activity uh, in these types of meetings and I'm familiar with the protocols that usually go along with it. What I just want to address today, 
and has happened quite a bit in the last few years, in particular in the city of Ventura, is the idea that with so many changes, we've lost a sense of history as to what our intentions were when this organization was started. Uh, the Water Commission was actually a thought that came up well over 30 years ago because rates were getting out of control, no one was talking to anybody, and uh, the citizens really wanted some way to go ahead and get a better understanding what was going on within our city, and in particular the rates. The problem was that the city council did not have the time or the understanding or desire to dig into just water when they had 25 other things on their plate to go ahead and address. And it made sense to go ahead and consider a commission or a board to oversee that function. That's how the Water Commission actually started, and I actually was on the ad hoc committee that started it, so I know this historically, which most people don't know. Uh, one of the nice things about getting older is the fact that you have a lot of history that you can go back to, and uh, I've had the chance to go ahead and live through it, where I can go ahead and share some of those ideas with you now. Well, the Water Commission concept was first started. The problem was that the general manager of the Water Department didn't like the idea of being overseen by a citizen's group. And, uh, and let me start by just saying, I totally respect everyone, either previously or everyone serving today, uh, with regard to the Water Department, Water Commission. I mean no disrespect to any individual if my comments, you know, if anyone feels that I'm slighting them, please, accept my apologies because I uh, value and consider that uh, uh, your integrity is, is not in question at all. So having said that, the general manager at that time didn't want anything to do with a water commission telling her how to run her water department. So uh, I will tell you that was the first time, and Mr. Hogan, you can disagree with me all you'd like if you, if you wish, but that was the first time that I ever saw the Brown Act work in reverse against the people, because if it's not brought up on the agenda, you can't talk about it. And therefore, the citizens of Ventura did not get an opportunity as they thought they were gonna have to talk about rates and terms and projects and so on, because if it wasn't agendized, you couldn't talk about it. And that's when the Brown Act, in my mind, started working in reverse. So I understand the purpose of the Brown Act. I have a degree in law, so I understand what it was intended to do, but this is one time that it worked against us. And it still does from time to time here. Because I've spoken before this group in the past, and if it wasn't agendized, I was actually shut down once and asked not to attend a meeting because of that particular situation. Now, having said that, I will share with you that uh, the commission was designed by that general manager in order to, to become 
what we would refer to as political cover for the city council. In other words, if the commissioners said, oh yeah, we approve it, then the council went ahead and said, oh, well, the water commission approved it, therefore it must be okay. Well, the problem was that it was a lot of things were not discussed openly. A lot of things were just being handed down and, uh, and away we went. So the result was that the water department ended up with an absolute control over what was happening. And we've seen that evolve over the last several years in particular uh, after the, um, the consent decree. And by the way, if any commissioners have not read the consent decree yourself and you've depended on your legal counsel to explain to you what's in the consent decree, please do yourself the duty and fairness of going back and reading the consent decree and asking questions afterwards because I've served on many boards in which you ask people if they've read bylaws or if they've read consent decrees, and a lot of times they have not. They're accepting the word of someone either with the department or legal counsel, and they take that as rule of law. Now, since the consent decree, is that my six minutes? Allow me to continue. Um, we have a very large agenda. Okay. So at the end of the meeting, I'll give you three more minutes. All right. At the end oh, of the meeting. Oh, at the end of the meeting? Yes. I can finish it up in three minutes. No, I think we have another speaker, right? Or is that for a different item? For different items. Okay. Excuse me, Chair. I'd just like to ask Mr. Alvioni one question, please. Yes. Thank you. Mr. Alvioni, do you have any specific concern this evening? Yes. My concerns this evening have to do with uh, the, the budget. In particular, the uh, being over the budget uh, that was designed for the changes and the uh, CIPs and things that have taken place, uh, that timelines are not designed with uh, strict uh, limitations. And I can tell you that the Water Department over the last several years has operated without any specific um, goals, when I say specific goals, things like there are no permits yet issued for some of the final conclusions that are intended. Uh, there is not an approved statewide test for the uh, water that will be uh, cleaned that can be used as drinkable water. The permits and the non-testing uh, to go ahead and work on that premise that it will happen is not fair to the people of Ventura and is not the way you conduct business. And therefore, things are not feasible and continue to not be questioned by this board. And I hope that there is a paradigm shift at some point in time with this board that they start acting for the people rather than as an approval board for the water department. I am done. Thank you Thank very you. much, Madam Commissioner. Thank you, Mr. Alviani. All right. Any other public comments? There are no other public commenters. However, there were two public comments that were received and posted online as well. Yes. Okay. Excuse me, Chair Cleet. I'd like to make a motion to reorder tonight's agenda to consider items eight and nine before two, three, four, five, six, and seven. 
Is there a particular reason for that? Yes, I think it's more congruous to hear these items uh, in the order I stated. Could you go over that again? I'd like to hear the items and make the motion to consider items eight and nine prior to items two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Comment on that, Commissioner Araniel? Oh, you can, you can go ahead and start off with Miles about procedure. Yes. Um, I was just going to say uh, you would call for a, a second on the motion, but um, Vice Chair Aranio can go ahead and make his comment. Okay. Um, first off, I'll go ahead and second the motion so we can go into discussion. Thank you. And at least we Thank can you. follow the rules as to how we're supposed to do this. Um, comment, I guess, okay, looking at this and thinking about it here on my feet as this goes, um, we'd start off with then, and I just want to make sure I understand what you're asking, George. Yes, sir. That Gina would start off with her report as to the end of the meeting there and what's coming up in the calendar, and then we would go into a discussion about a possible creation of the ad hoc committees, which is what I was trying to think about and take a lead on anyways. I assume, and please here help me with this in order for everyone else to catch up, is that the formation of the ad hoc committees is going to feed into some of these discussions that we're going to have about the CIP and about water pier and a budget going forward. Yes, sir. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we have a motion. Um, any other questions or comments on this? I just have a question. How does the general manager's report fit into that? Is it the schedule you're interested in? The, the, the general manager's report, how does, what's the, just the rationale before we vote on it? The general manager being item number? Eight. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, my biggest concern is the items of seven and eight, I'm sorry, eight and nine, and specifically nine about the ad hoc committee being prior to the discussions of Two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So would it be just nine then? The well, uh, that I'm not necessarily sure about because I'm not sure that the general manager's report is that a catch-all of everything in four, five, and six, or is it no. completely separate? Okay. Yeah, so if separate. you'd like to amend that motion, I'm fine with it. Okay. Then I guess I would amend the motion to just be item nine. Okay. Right procedure? Um, maybe you're proposing a friendly amendment and yes. uh, <laughs> um, in the, the maker of the motion and the seconder are okay with that friendly yes. amendment? Okay, great. Okay. And for everyone on TV, I'm holding my thumbs up. <laughs> okay, I think we can call for a vote then if there isn't any further discussion. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Amendola? Yes. Commissioner Armbrister? Yes. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner Savage? Yes. Vice Chair Ronio? Aye. Chair Clight? No. And the motion passes with six ayes and one no. All right. Um, so we are going to do minutes second. Is that right? Yes, first. Okay. First. Do it in minutes now and then we move on. To nine. Okay. 
Gotcha. Sorry. All right. Um, we're going to review the minutes uh, or um, consider a motion to um, approve the minutes from the last meeting. Fiscal year report and accomplishments on the draft fiscal plan. Um, I would like to offer for consideration. Um, I'm going to preface as to why I'm saying this first, and then what I say hopefully will feed into it. Um, the minutes reflect that it was not a unanimous vote, but there was no mention in the minutes as to the dissenting vote and what their thought was and why they were dissenting about it. I think that's important in order to understand the thinking and mentality that's going on with the commission that when we do have a dissent vote, that they get to have the opportunity for their thoughts to be made part of the public record. Whether, you know, it doesn't change how it goes through, but I, I think it's important for historical purposes for that to be under, understood. Um, with that said, I am asking for consideration the following language be added. Um, Commissioner Amardola stated that the Water Commission work plan does not align with the City Council's goals for undergrounding of utilities and broadband. This led to a discussion that lasted during which it was highlighted that the Water CIP and Water Peer CIP funds are being administered by the Water Department and separately all work is being performed and generated by the Public Works Department. Commissioner Ronio stated that, or pointed out that the City Council policy guidance document directs public works and IT to deal with this issue. And therefore, they are the ones responsible for it under the Dig Once policy and the Commission and the Council's stated goals. That's it. Is that a motion, sir? Yes. I would like to second that, please. All right, so we have a motion to amend the minutes as stated. Now, to get the language that you just proposed. I can certainly email that. And that's regarding item number three. Item number three. Item number three. Is there anything like um, any bylaws or anything that state historically that there's strictly action minutes that are kept for the Water Commission? Um, yes, generally both the City Council and all the commissions uh, take action minutes and that's why the minutes are fairly limited. Um, however, uh, a Water Commissioner can ask for something to be um, included in the record. So I think in this um, limited circumstance having that uh, statement added to the minutes um, is, is appropriate. Um, with the cautionary comment that we do want to maintain them as action minutes, so um, having just one line like this is, is appropriate, but we don't want to eventually have them not become action minutes if there's too many things noted for the record. Thank you. Okay. All right, I will entertain a motion to approve the minutes of the past meeting, uh, the September 
26th meeting as amended per the language proposed by Commissioner Aranio. I thought you already moved. You moved, I seconded. Okay. There but that was just for the amendment? Okay. So we're so moved. Done. So moved, okay. Then we can call for the vote. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Amendola? Yes. Commissioner Armbrister? Yes. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner Savage? Yes. Vice Chair Aranio? Aye. Chair Clyde? Yes. And the motion passes with seven ayes. Okay. Good. All right. We will go to what was previously agenda item nine. Discussion on creation of ad hoc committees. Uh, do you want to go up before yeah. the... Okay. Um, or do you want to just do it here? You have preference. I can do it from my location. Um, good evening, everyone. Thank you all for your time and efforts to come to these meetings and participate with us and as we work our way through this. Um, I've been trying, I've been wrestling as my time on this committee is to how to go about getting the information, understanding the information, and then being able to adequately disseminate the information when questions come up. And uh, it's been a challenge for me. Uh, one of the ways that it became, uh, I became aware of at the last meeting was that the possibility of the formation of ad hoc committees in order to hyper-focus on to specific topics. So I asked Gina to put this on the agenda for an organic discussion among council or between commissioners, sorry, uh, in order for the thoughts about the possibility of setting up some ad hoc committees and what would they be focusing on, how long would they be, and then see if any of us commissioners have the time or energy in order to participate in that um, and getting that, putting our feet to the floor and getting some work done. Um, certainly as I read through the packet that was presented to us and read the staff reports that goes to it and my own feelings from other meetings, there's a lot about the budgeting process and about the impacts to water rates and the assumptions behind them that I'm having difficulty reconciling in my head. Um, and so I, I thought the idea of a ad hoc committee to be able to take a look at CIP and really dive into those numbers and request information from Public Works as to what is their assumptions could be an idea. Um, maybe a second one having to do with Ventura Water Pure and take a look at that and maybe even, and I'm just throwing this out for the discussion amongst the commissioners, a, a third one to dive into O&M uh, in order to get a better understanding about this and whereabouts, how this is going to impact our water rates and our recommendation to council going forward. And so that's what this topic is that I asked to be thrown on here. And there you go. So I open it up to the other commissioners to ask questions, weigh in, and let's see where this goes. Question. Uh, what, I guess I'm trying to understand what you're trying to accomplish uh, as we're a policy board, not an operational board. Uh, there's also the question of if we're going to be such things. A lot of this information has been provided to us, or at least where the links are, where the, the CIP, the master plans, all that information is there for us, for us to read if we have those questions to bring up, I would suggest. Um, 
I guess I'm trying to envision what an ad hoc committee is going to do uh, with staff and, of course, always concerned when a policy group tries to manage, from my experience. Perhaps I can weigh in. I was the staff for some of these types of committees in my past, and um, we are a policy body, but one of, the, one of our biggest responsibilities is approving rates and understanding what's going into the assumptions about the rates, what money's being spent on, um, how fast it's being spent, prioritizing, um, staffing, um, those kinds of things fit into the rate discussion. Okay. And I think, I, I feel like my job on this side of the table is to make sure that I'm comfortable that the right amount of money is being spent to assure a reliable water supply that meets the water quality goals, but no more. Um, so in order to do that, I need to understand things like how are decisions made to contract out services versus do work in-house? Um, why are these capital projects, do they need to be built in the next two years? Those I can't get out of reading reports. And so when I was on the other side and explaining it to an ad hoc committee, we'd go through the projects, we'd go through the budget, and we would just talk through these things. And the board members would be able to just ask questions. Hey, why do you do it this way? Why do you do it that way? And when we got to the point when the rates came, it had been explained to them. Because they have a duty to approve it, they should understand what they're approving. And there aren't reports out there that provide that level of information right now. I, I respectfully disagree. For okay. example, we're talking about the CIP. My first question to staff today was going to be, have, you've shown us the CIP and things are coming. Has that now been impacted by the water master plan that was done probably not until last spring? And of course, I looked on the master plan and it showed projects that were number one projects. Well, they had project numbers, so I knew they were on the CIP. I didn't go through everything, but mm -hmm. I, enough to know what the city's doing because mm -hmm. we have that information. We have a list of, of things to read. And I, I would encourage us to not wait to be spoon-fed, but do our own homework. Now, if you're gonna have an ad hoc committee, then come prepared. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, it, I think it's extremely important uh, you're right, everything behind it. Yeah. But, but we don't want to have deferred maintenance. We don't want to have things, as you've just stated. And I think things that are in, when I read the master plans, have gone through and looked at things. And the MKN, uh, HCR report, and others, I've looked at them. And mm -hmm. they tell you why things need to be done. I've read them too. Okay, so. They don't answer all my questions. Okay, fine. Anybody else? <laughs> I'd like to interject some comments please and I'd like to just clarify um, the comment about O&M and I come from the telecommunications business which is also a public utility and O&M means operations and maintenance and it has a, a basically a term in telecoms which is related to equipment maintenance for the most part but I think it means something else in water and I'm wondering if I could get some clarification on that. What does O&M mean as far as water? And 
my experience, you're right. We sometimes use O&M the same way we use all the costs that aren't capital. Okay. So when, when I say O&M, that's actually what I mean. But it can mean either one. That is, that is correct. It's the operation and maintenance that is not capitalized. It's our, the capital project and then everything else. So it's so a CapEx charge as opposed to a CapEx charge. Yes. Okay, thank you. And so, you know, setting up this ad hoc committee, uh, you know, I look at it as there needs to be a policy or a governance charter of what this committee would do. And I think setting up the ad hoc committee is a great idea and concept. And I think we need probably to move forward with approving an ad hoc committee and then coming back with a, a governance policy between now and the next meeting. And some of the things that I would like to include in that governance policy is a re review of the water pure program and then also assess the accuracy of cost estimates and examine debt service implications and evaluate alternatives and possibly engage with a potential audit if necessary and then um, maybe establish some oversight measures and uh, request regular updates. And uh, you know, those are some things I think, I think that the ad hoc committee may want to approach. And are there any other thoughts on what the ad hoc committee would do? If, if I may, or I, I believe ad hoc committees must have specific and designated purposes for a limited time being. And then once they've completed their purposes, so they must be very specific, Agreed. right? Yes. And, and so we can't create long-term ranges of, of, mm -hmm. of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. and, and ultimately, we kind of don't want to create big catch-alls of what we're trying to do because that is our, our purpose as the Water Commission. Yeah. Because we're all here to be a part of the discussion regarding water rates and capital improvement. And so it might be nice to have like a couple um, deep sets of eyes to look at some of the capital improvement programs and whatnot, but to know that things are getting looked at at a deeper level, but not to also just strictly defer it to two people mm -hmm. or, or whatnot. So mm -hmm. it might be kind of nice to set those boundaries. So I totally agree with what you just brought up and what you said. My, my basic thought was, as I was forming this in my head, was that it would be for this spring, and by the time we come up with a new budget in, I think, May is when you're going to present your draft budget? Rates. I think they did the budget, but it would be rates. Rates, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, would, would that the work of the committees would be done by then. So yes, it is for a short period of time. Um, Myself, where again, I have my uh, questions and I've been unsuccessful in getting the information that I've been seeking, has to do on the capital side with some of the cost estimates for some of the projects that are before me. Uh, my prior life gives me some experience as to how much it should cost to drill a well and put in a pump house and do pipelines. And I see some numbers in these documents, even that are gonna be presented today, and I go, uh oh, and my alarms start going off. And so I would like to be, be, have the opportunity to dive into that to get a com better comfort level 
and, and see if maybe that's the canary in the coal mine um, as far as what's going on and what we have before us and check those assumptions for their accuracy to get a better comfort on some things that I don't know. And I'm thinking a membrane batch reactor. Uh, okay. Um, but I've got to start somewhere and seeing some of these numbers and having them put before us and being asked to approve them and then have them go forward to city council with our blessing, my blessing, I'm not there. I'm not there. So Chair um, Aranio, um, I am hearing that there's a, a deeper level of, a, a deeper level of detail <clears throat> that's across this entire commission. Um, and what I can suggest is that we take a look at what the Water Commission agenda looks like and, and develop them more as workshops. And you, you know, you all are an ad hoc committee of the council. You're appointed by the council to look at these. And so I don't think separating them out into different forms. I think it, what you're looking for is a more granular level of detail. Um, and that is, if, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a large majority of staff citywide sitting in the audience tonight to listen to what it is that you want. Um, and the detail that you're looking for. And I think that we are hearing them. And um, we can set the agenda for these items and um, perhaps put a little more proactive approach in getting you the agenda quicker and the details uh, so that you have more time to look over them and you can be prepared with, with more questions and we can get those answers to you. Um, I am trying to be considerate of staff time. Uh, we are doing a lot of work, um, and we are trying to bring you as much information as quickly as possible. A lot of it is dynamic. Um, what you will be hearing this evening um, will change, and we'll bring it back to you. But I think if we take a look at what's coming up, um, we do have the CIP. We have the five-year plan coming. We do have the new budget year coming. We do have the rates check-in coming. So we can bring those to you in, in a fuller format um, with some finer detail. You, you provide for what we're looking, what you're looking for, um, and 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 keep that in the whole of the Water Commission instead of separating it out. I mean, it's, it's not like you're asking for this to be a, an, a finite amount of time. This is what you want as the Water Commission. My concern is, and I appreciate that, I really do. My, my concern is, Water Pier is a monster. That's a, that's a hell of a program in itself. And, and for a lot of us newbies on here, we need to rev may need to revisit the original assumptions and to how this has grown from that into what it is. Not just picking on you, Linda. I, I know. <laughs> but, but that in itself is a huge program with a lot of moving parts. The consent decree is only one part of it, one little bit of minutia to it. Um, and again, CIP in itself, uh, again, we're talking $100 million a year type stuff, numbers that are going out. That doesn't lend itself to a two-hour, once-a-month meeting and the other work that also needs to be done by this mm -hmm. commission. Um, it just is too much information for us to, for, to try and cram and get out effectively. Might I suggest a compromise, maybe? Sure. One possible approach would be to have Water Commission workshops separate from the Water Commission meeting, where there's a workshop to, dedicated to capital projects. We tell you ahead of time the type of instrument information we're interested in and that we have questions about. <coughs> a dedicated meeting about water pure and a dedicated meeting about 
O&M costs. Um, with the goal of all of these being to get us to a level where we're comfortable when the time comes to approve the rates and not have it be part of a water commission meeting. I think it makes sense to have everyone involved who's, who wants to be on the, on the water commission. Um, so workshop, yes, but maybe not workshop agenda item, workshop dedicated subject matter workshop for the water commission. Okay. Great. So additional, a handful of additional workshops include, okay. We also do those on Zoom or WebEx. What is our, it would, if it's agendized, we, we could do that. Currently we can only have a virtual meetings in person meetings, so I'd be reliant on availability. Could you please check on I'm, that? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear a thing you said. My uh, hybrid capabilities are reliant on are, are only available in council chambers, so we'd be reliant on the availability for that room. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern is the holidays are coming up and people have various schedules, and um, you know I think it's essential that people have the flexibility to attend virtually. Any comments? Um, yeah, I just want to say I, I depend on staff and my co-members here because they have the background, the knowledge, the experience that I do not have, but I'm an advocate for the taxpayer, my own family, when it comes to stuff like water rates, the amount of money we're about to spend, and can we possibly spend that kind of money? So I think the more we know about it, uh, the better off I'll be. You understand things that I would never think of, but I learn more sitting next to you. So however we do that by compromise or by having um, uh, a um, breakout group, whatever accomplishes that. I, I need to learn more about how I make these decisions because our name is on the dotted line when it goes to city council and that represents uh, our thinking and our, you know, what we believe is appropriate. And sometimes, uh, I gotta tell you, it's a little scary at night when I'm thinking about the kind of money we're about to spend if we spend it and where we're gonna get it from. Any other comments, questions, discussion, Susan, Emily? I, I guess I would agree <laughs> that I think the whole commission needs to hear everything if we're gonna do this. It, we have different levels of understanding of this. Some of us have lived through water pier projects, others have never heard of it before. Uh, I think it's important for us to, to all hear this yeah. together and not put it off in a corner. I agree with you. So is it possible that, Robert, that we might be able to modify the term ad hoc to workshop? Oh, absolutely, yes. Hearing back from my fellow commissioners about their, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I guess I would wonder, if, Miles, how do we make this move forward as a commission? Um, it, it sounds like what you're requesting is a series of workshops leading up to the uh, 2024 rate check-in. Um, maybe now you could give feedback on what the topics of those workshops um, you want them to be or at the next meeting. Um, it sounds like one of them is O&M costs. Another is uh, the capital improvement program, although you're gonna hear about that tonight. So maybe after you hear that, you could give some feedback about what additional information 
you'd be looking for in the workshop um, uh, in the January or February timeline when they're planning to present. Um, I heard um, Ventura Water Pure, so similarly, um, you're gonna get an update on that tonight, so maybe what additional information you'd want at um, a next workshop type meeting, um, and if there's any other any other topics besides those. But it, it sounds like you're just requesting a series of um, workshops in conjunction and leading up to the 2024 rate check-in. Is that something we would vote on then? There's a motion to ask staff to do that and then we would vote on that? Um, you could do it as informal feedback or you can make a motion and take a vote. Either is, either is fine. I think maybe I could make a motion. I'd like to make a motion that the Water Commission hold um, subject-specific workshops on uh, capital, one, one on capital costs, more if needed, if one is insufficient after we don't get all our answers and we need another one, but at least one on capital, one on O&M, and one on the Water Pure Project, which would include both capital and O&M. And that prior to the workshop, um, the commissioners are solicited to provide staff with the questions that they have so that staff can be prepared to uh, respond and provide the information that the commissioners feel like they need. All this in anticipation of uh, the rates check-in. I'll second that motion. I'll make a friendly amendment, please. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'd also like to include uh, debt service implications, evaluation of alternatives to water pure, potentially, and uh, okay. Might those be part of the Water Pure uh, workshop, and you put those as information you would request of staff at that okay, workshop? Okay, I can withdraw the Water Pure part. Okay. Um, and, and then uh, I think we're good as long as we include the debt service. And that would be included within those workshops for capital and Water Pure. Please. So that would just be information you would request at those? Uh, as part of the workshop. Maybe a separate workshop because what we're about to hear in item number five is very concerning to me as far as the debt service obligations on top of the capital. So how does that fit in with the, with the motion? That, that would be one of the workshops we're included in as a component of one of the workshops. Commissioner Mulligan, if I, if I could clarify. Um, Commissioner Amandola, it sounds like you're interested in hearing in the Ventura Water Pier workshop a discussion of the debt service obligations and the impacts of those debt service obligations. Is that correct? To the ratepayers. Okay, that's understood. Thank you. Okay, so I accept that amendment. Thank you. Okay. Any other discussion or comments? I guess our, our homework assignment then as commissioners are then to feed to the staff things that we would like to see or questions that we specifically have about um, that we'd like to get addressed uh, in these workshops. And so all of us put our thinking caps on as we're going through these topics tonight. Uh, what more detail behind or granularity uh, would we look for and like to have addressed and make sure to get that in email to staff. Do not copy the other 
commissioners. <laughs> and as, as we have done with other comments, and maybe this is just a request to staff, when we have comments on a document, I like to see the other commissions, commissioners' comments. So if those could just be compiled for all of our benefit, that would be helpful. And uh, Commissioner Mulligan, you were the first, and was there a second on the motion? Jim. Jim. Okay, great, Jim. thank you. Okay, call for the vote. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Amendola? Uh, yes. Commissioner Armbruster? Yes. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner Savage? Yes. Vice Chair Aranio? Uh, yes, sorry. Aye. Chair Clight? Yes. And the motion passes with seven eyes. All right. We'll go to agenda item two, which is three, I guess, now. Advanced metering infrastructure, AMI project and utility billing update. So we have our um, utility billing manager, uh, Teray McGee, to present to you uh, the completion of that project. Good evening, commissioners. As Gina said, my name is Teray McGee, and I'm the utility billing manager for Ventura Water. And uh, my staff is responsible for all things related to billing and customer service. And I'll be giving an AMI and utility billing service update and overview. Okay, so I will tell you that in the last two years, the billing department has had every process and every system updated or changed in some form or fashion. Um, starting with the AMI smart meter upgrade, which began in 2018 with a goal to upgrade and replace 32,000 meters with Neptune AMI smart meters. We've replaced 32,516 of those meters and closed the project in June of 2023. We have 132 meters, uh, standard meters remaining in the city, which will be replaced by city staff. We have 25 data collectors located throughout the city, which provides information into our billing system uh, from the meters. We have had five customers opt out of receiving an AMI smart meter. And our meter reader um, now have the added responsibilities of monitoring these meters and data collectors and then um, doing troubleshooting and making repairs or replacement uh, or, or arranging for replacement of these parts. They are also tasked with uh, managing all of the data that's generated by these meters that we have and creating work orders and or notifying customers if there's a potential problem. We've also had another project uh, to update our MeterSense meter data management system which uh, we moved over to a cloud-based service and then added a programming interface in order for it to uh, communicate with the soon-to-be-updated Neptune 360. So Neptune uh, legacy systems were being um, upgraded because they were no longer supported and they were moving over to a cloud-based service. So we needed to have that interface in order to continue to receive the data from the meters into our billing system.
And then on the utility billing space, we had an upgrade to our Inquesta utility billing system, which was also upgraded to a cloud-hosted solution. And along with that, the Capricorn, internally we call it Capricorn, it's our WebConnect customer self-service portal, was also upgraded, and our Cognos reporting and analytics system. During the same time, we completed a rate study and two uh, rate changes. We transitioned from bi-monthly to monthly billing. We redesigned the utility bills. We restructured our phone tree and the uh, messaging to our customers. We had an office redesign. And then in August of this year, we implemented the customer campaigns, which is an auto-dialing feature that our meter readers use to contact customers about potential uh, continuous flows or issues at their property. So we've had a lot going on in the billing department. And I can tell you, billing staff was amazing through all of this. Each of these projects were managed with a project manager. It required coordination with uh, staff and our vendors. And we were nominated for the Expanding Excellence Awards for project integration by the customer, uh, our CSS, CIS vendor, and. Uh, systems and software. Easy for me to say, systems <laughs> and software. So let me invite you into the wonderful world of Ventura Water Billing. My amazing staff is made up of utility service representatives, affectionately known as the meter readers. We have a lead there. And we also have the utility billing representatives, a supervisor, and myself. And we are all responsible for all customer touch points as it relates to billing. So anything that goes on in the billing space, we are responsible for, except taking the payments. That's left to our Treasury Department, who does a wonderful job for us. I've listed out some of the duties that we have here, and I won't go through all of them. But I just wanted you to have an idea of just how vast the responsibility are for this billing team. And they do an amazing job. In terms of the performance for this team, last fiscal year, it generated over $62 million in revenue, created over 387,000 utility bills. They handled over 33,000 calls. They placed over 5,000 door tags. And we shut off 865 customers for non-payment. The top three customer complaints. Why do I have to pay a convenience fee? Is this read accurate? We saw an increase in that particular complaint as we rolled into AMI. <clears throat> and I get too many bills, it's too confusing. And that we saw an increase when we went from bi-monthly to monthly billing. The top three commendations we get, thank you for your patience and answering my questions in a way that I can understand. It is very complicated. And uh, we get a lot of customers that truly just don't understand either the customer self-service portal or some of the bills. Thank you for taking my call. So this one I queried my team a little bit for. I was like, thank you for taking my call. And so as they explained it to me, customers are really happy that we answer. You know, many places you call, you speak to an automatic um, system. So they're happy to actually speak to a live person. And I appreciate you helping me with my bill. Now, how do we help our customers? We offer them installment agreements and payment plans. We have adjustments that we give to them. Um, 
Billing adjustments uh, are known as leak adjustments, usually uh, for customers that experience high consumption. If they meet the qualifications, then they are eligible to receive an adjustment on their bill once every five years. We have financial assistance programs through our customer assistance program where we have currently 386 customers that receive 50% reduction on their fixed monthly service charge. We have received over $447,000 from the state arrearages funding that was applied to our residential and um, commercial customers impacted during the COVID-19 um, shutdown. And since August of last year, we have received over $97,000 in LIWAP uh, funding that has been applied to customer accounts. We also still have our Thomas Fire customers. Uh, 665 accounts were impacted. 332 have reoccupied and are billing at regular rate. We have 210 that are currently in the rebuilding process, and those customers are billed at a non-residential, non-tiered rate, and they do not uh, pay for sewer. <coughs> okay, our goals. So this slide is just showing what our goals are in terms of um, customer billing, where we're headed. And ultimately, our goal is to streamline the customer journey as they interact with us. And we do this by simplification. We want to give our customers multiple ways to reach us, whether that be through text message, email, phone call, or through the uh, customer portal. We'd like to automate processes for them. If there's something that they can handle, like a payment arrangement or signing up for ACH withdrawals without calling or calling in, we'd like to give them the tools to do that. Um, improve our self-service options. We're current, currently vetting out um, additional ways that we can do that. And then integrating with the, the city's uh, 311 CRM. So there's, there's one-stop shop when they need to reach us. And then we will continue our partnerships. We have a wonderful customer outreach uh, team, and we work with them, answer questions when customers call in, go support them at customer events. Uh, customer panels for significant changes. We did, um, when we did our uh, bill redesign, we had uh, customers that provided input on what they wanted to see on the bills, and we took that into consideration as we did the redesign. And then give customers the tool to manage their consumption, and this is done through the customer self-service portal. We also engage. We want to improve our engagement with the customers. Customer service day, that has been um, on the plan for quite a while. We'd like to find one of our public events where we can have staff out there to assist customers with their devices, teach them how to log in, set, reset their password, how to use the information, because sometimes it's easier to, to learn and to show um, versus talking them through it over the phone. Have empathy in our service and policy. Sometimes our policies can be a little rigid, and with the Senate Bill 998 that came out last year, we loosened some of those policies in terms of giving additional time to pay the bills and working with the customers. And then continue with our customer assistance programs. And then finally, personalization. So we want our communications to have the voice of the customer. When they call in, they have concerns or they have ideas, as we communicate with them, let them know that we're thinking about that. And then keeping them informed on what matters to them most. And personalization might also look like this. Amanda? Oh, <laughs> 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 not that. <laughs> 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 
well, it won't look like this, but. <laughs> there we go. Hi, Val. We've made this video just for you. Here are the charges from your most recent invoice, as well as your due date. You recently had a change to your water service, so we wanted to explain why your charges for this month may be different than usual. Your meter was replaced on this date. To make things clearer, let's walk you through the change from this billing cycle. These are the days before your meter was exchanged, and these are the days after the change. As a result, you'll see two charges on your bill, a partial charge for the period before the meter exchange, and a second charge after the change. And with online payments, you can schedule payments when it's convenient for you. You can save even more time by signing up for AutoPay. AutoPay allows you to automatically pay your bills without having to call us or go online. You will be alerted by email each time you receive your payment. And sign up for budget billing to spread your costs evenly over the entire year. You'll pay the same amount each month with no surprises. Based on your bills over the last 12 months, this is the average amount you would owe. And of course, we would modify that based on changes that a customer had on their account. <coughs> okay, so our next steps. We are currently doing a, an RFP to combine the efforts of two of our vendors, uh, electronic billing and bill pay, uh, bill print and mail services. Uh, into one time into one vendor and also uh, the vendor will provide us with the data that we need to see if it is uh, feasible for the city to absorb the convenience fees or if we continue with the past due method that we have where the customer pays for those. So the recommendation, um, please receive the written report and oral presentation of the AMI and utility billing update and overview. Are there any questions? Do we have any public speakers on this? I'm sorry. We do not. Any questions or comments from the commission? I have one comment. Um, my wife was uh, had a small leak in a uh, rental home that we had, and she was contacted by Stephen Glenn. And uh, she just really thought this was the best program. She was so pleased with the service. We got the problem solved right away. There had been a tenant in there and it had been leaking for quite some time. And it, it was very helpful and she just, uh, she felt good that we have an organization that serves the people. Thank you. And Stephen is amazing. He's part of our outreach team. I would echo that, although we didn't have any interaction with staff directly, this new system and the information it provides helped us find three different leaks out in our irrigation system. We were able to look in and just see constant flow at night, and uh, my husband kept digging around in the backyard until he found all the leaks. And um, that is great service and something we just didn't have before all this happened. Yes, thank you. 
But we would like to be able to pay online without a fee. He complains once in a while. This is the only check I ever write. I'm not going to pay the fee. So, you know, if you, if you can compare that to the cost of processing checks and see if that pencils out, um, to maybe you don't have to do all the manual processing. It certainly would quiet things down at my house. Thank you. So I have a question about the customer service complaints. Could you delve into a little bit about some of that feedback you received? Because my experience with customer service complaints, when you get one complaint that you hear of, usually there's 10 or 20 more of similar complaints that you never hear about. And I'm just kind of wondering if, if that's your experience as well. If you see a pattern with the complaints, if they're, you know, especially, um, you know, the ones about why do I get so many bills? Is that specific to the water department? Or is that just a general comment that people render to your customer service teams? Okay, the complaints that I um, included in my presentation are specific to our department. These okay. are complaints that we get. Um, either directly to us um, or passed on to us from other departments or maybe uh, even from online uh, responses. And, and do you think that that's the shift from, you know, what, bi-monthly billing to monthly billing? Or is it, is that, that's been a recent change, I believe. Yeah, uh, that change was effective July 1st of 2021. So right. yes, I believe that it's directly related to that. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. and. Um, then I just have a couple of comments and uh, about the video. I thought the video was great. And I'm just kind of wondering, is, is $35, $38 the typical average monthly bill for a resident of Ventura? Because I was thinking that was pretty low. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but we didn't have a sticker shot. Yeah. Really that, a, a lot of the information there was just an idea of what a bill could, could be like. Okay. For our low income or cap customers, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. I would like to see a $35 bill. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so a couple things that happened to me, you know, it's coincidental because I really haven't had any experience with the Water Commission. But uh, after the last meeting, I sent Ms. DeLeon uh, an email from, I don't want to name the person, but he had a question and it was an AMI question, I believe, where his wireless may have been interfering and thank you for following up on that. I don't know the outcome, but thank you. And um, um, I'm assuming that's being taken care of, whatever is going on there. And then I had an issue just this past week where I was driving home and I saw what I thought was a pipe leak on the main because we had a similar pipe leak uh, about two years prior. But then I received uh, an email response, I believe it was yesterday, updating that the next day the water department went out there and they looked and determined it was actually an oil stain and not a pipe leak, but it appeared to be a pipe leak. And then I was speaking with one of my neighbors and they said a motorcycle got into an accident that night and that was what the oil came from. But thank you, because I was thinking that there was a bigger problem. So thanks very much for the good follow-up. I appreciate it. Thank you. Any other comments? I have yeah. a quick one. Mine has to do with your uh, slide number five. Going back up. 
Q4. <laughs> One more back, number five. Hmm. I'm sorry. Seven. This one? It has a five on the That's bottom, nine. nine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but that this one copy. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Okay. Stop. Yeah. There you go. Okay. okay. Um, my comment is I am absolutely blown away. 638 phone calls a week. That's, I'm absolutely flabbergasted by it. I picked that and that, that's a number I did not expect. Fantastic for your crew to be able to handle that kind of stuff and that, that many phone calls and inquiries coming in. Um, good. I'm really also uh, feel good and glad to see that the uh, meter readers themselves have been uh, kept on and made part of it and allowed to grow also within the city and accept new responsibilities. But um, uh, that's just a, a phenomenal number for me to try and wrap my head around that that phone's ringing that much over there. And that's all I just wanted to do, shout out. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Thank yes. you very much. <coughs> Any other comments? I just have one question yeah. about that. I mean, there's a significant cost that comes along with servicing 638 calls customer service calls. How many people do you have on staff to handle that? <laughs> Including myself, a total of 10. Okay. Um, and I will tell you in terms of that, based on uh, the volume that we get from the calls and emails and uh, web queue requests, we have made changes to our um, staffing hours. Uh, we work a five-day work week. We no longer have the Friday off every other week so that we could have staff available to handle some of these calls. Um, but, but yes, we have uh, three meter readers, uh, one lead uh, for the meter readers, and we have four utility billing representatives, uh, one supervisor, and myself. And we will all take calls if needed. And that number here is an average, so some weeks we have a lot more, uh, especially if there is something going on. Uh, whenever there is a bill insert or noticing of some sort, or when we use the auto dialer uh, to notify customers of leaks, we get an influx of calls. Thank you. One more question. Uh, do you have 24-hour emergency service in addition to this, like on the weekends, does someone answer that call or do they get a message machine? or? How do you manage that? We do have an after hours for emergency turn-ons or shut-offs. Okay. But if there's a large leak, like a hydrant or something, I guess we just call um, street maintenance? We do, we do have someone department. that's on call that will take those calls. <laughs> they don't like us turning them off anymore. <laughs> Blow up lines that way. Uh, that is correct, Commissioner Ackerman. Uh, we have a, the dispatch emergency line. Um, you can call the fire dispatch, police dispatch, and then they alert our on-calls. Okay, thank you. Great, any other comments, Susan? One more question. For the discount program, how is that funded, the 50% discount? Where's the, where do the funds come from for that? From the penalty charges that are assessed on the late payment notices. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate your service and your report. Thank, thank you. you. All right, next. We have the capital improvement plan update. 
And we will have Greg Knudsen uh, from our Public Works Department to present this for you. Good evening, Chair Clyde, members of the Commission. I'm Greg Knudsen. I am the Design and Construction Manager in the Public Works Department. Uh, we handle a portion of the capital improvement program, the projects that are outside the Ventura Water Pure program. So that'll be discussed later by Linda and her staff. So Peter Shade, our city engineer that normally comes in and makes these presentations, is on vacation this week. So you get me. And uh, we also have staff available. Uh, Will Trax is an associate engineer in our group. And he's available here to answer any questions if things come up. So advance to the next slide, please. So we're, we're here tonight to talk about um, projects in the first 18 months of the two-year capital improvement program cycle, which is basically the 18 months ending at the end of December. So some things that are a little bit projected ahead. We have projects in construction projects that are in procurement or out to bid, uh, also in um, award execution of contract, and projects that are currently in design. And then at the end, we'll talk about the next steps as we see them. Obviously, it sounds like the commission has some different ideas about our next steps, but we will uh, attempt to work with those as they come in to Gina and staff. So our completed projects in the past 18 months, um, as far as CIP work, the wastewater um, aeration blowers project was completed at the wastewater treatment plant. The um, automated meter reading uh, installation, and that was primarily done by Ventura water staff, although we did support a few elements of that. Mound well two, the well drilling uh, was completed. Uh, repair and restoration of the intake structure at um, Ventura River. Uh, there was a fish notch that was um, constructed into the existing um, subsurface or partially exposed dam as part of our, uh, our work with our partners in the Ventura River. <coughs> the Country Club water system, well number two, rehabilitation and destruction of well number one. That's a first phase of a project that we will, we have um, in construction right now. Inez Street water line replacement and uh, what we, water line replacement that we call abandon of the eight inch water line under the bike path. So that's by the Ventura River. There's an old water line that um, is being taken out of service and being replaced by several smaller lines uh, extending off of the, the remainder of the system. Our projects that are currently in construction, the uh, wastewater strain press platform that is um, currently being delivered and installed and then our wastewater staff will be actually installing the strain press which is a device that um, kind of will help us to reduce the plastics in uh, some of our uh, process waste from the solids from the wastewater <coughs> plant. Um, in the water program, we, had the, we have the transmission line for mound well number two, and that's adjacent to the government center. We have mound well three, which has become our problem project because of numerous um, delays associated with um, 
delays in getting uh, equipment and materials and delays from outside vendors and all sorts of other issues, but we are wrapping that up and getting close to being able to test pump that and then uh, integrate that into our water system. The Midtown to Westside Interconnect on Telegraph Road, that's under, underway right now. I'm sure many of you have seen that project under construction. That'll be in, con in construction probably until late summer. The <coughs> Country Club Well Number Two Rehabilitation, uh, that project's in submittal review right now, so we are uh, working with the contractor on approving submittals <laughs> for the pump and electrical equipment, and then that has a relatively long procurement period. The Bailey Chlorine Scrubber is part of our CIP project. That's uh, a replacement of an existing um, chlorine scrubber for the chlorine room at the Bailey uh, treatment facility. And that's primarily being undertaken by uh, water staff, water treatment staff. And then the 588 zone pressure expansion in the Ventura Hills. This is a project that is adjusting our pressure zones because we had a pipeline that uh, had to be taken out of service and we have some reduced pressure issues associated with that. And that's because of the winter storms and such. That was an urgency project. And that's um, wrapping up construction. The pipeline's in place now. The pressure reducing vault should be delivered the first part of November and then we'll be able to bring that on that pipeline in service. <coughs> Um, procurement items, items that we're going to be <coughs> anticipating to be bidding within the next six months. We have the Olivas uh, sewer line extension there. We don't know when that pro that project will only move with the Olivas Park extension project, and that's um, being worked out with the property owners when they're ready to fund the levy and some other portions of that project. If that project goes, the uh, sewer line extension will move forward with it. On the water side, um, the Moundwell 2 enclosure, we're just receiving final plans from our consultant. We have received finally easement documents from Southern California Edison that are necessary for the county to approve because the site of this well is on the government uh, center site. So we have uh, to coordinate with our uh, partners at the government center. The water line east side to Midtown, this is part of our cross-city cross connection program. That those plans are being wrapped up by our consultant right now. That should go to bid in December. Well four, number four, Santa Coy drilling. Uh, we'll be drilling a new well there. The photos there indicate the um, test hole that was drilled at the conditioning, Santa Coy conditioning facility, which would be the uh, host location for the new well. A water line replacement in the Satakoy alleys uh, between wells and Campanola. That project is progressing in design. We're wrapping up the SCADA improvements project, which is replacing a lot of our SCADA hardware. And there's been some coordination with Southern California Edison for electrical services there that's taken some time to work out. But we re finally resolved those issues and we're um, setting that project to go out to bid in January. And the final project uh, listed here is the relocation of the um, booster pump station from uh, to the Bailey reservoir site. So that's a day road booster pump station at um, Loma Vista and that's being replaced and relocated to a more appropriate location that's uh, more secure and uh, easier to service. And the projects we have in design, on the wastewater side we have uh, what we call our seaside land acquisition which we've identified a city owned parcel that's in the um, Freeway interchange 
between uh, Highway 101 and Highway 33. We're working with Caltrans to find acceptable routes for um, installing pipelines and such that are necessary for that project to move forward at that site and whether that site is truly feasible. That's our first, first priority site. On the water side, the golf course booster pump station and well upgrade project is at 60% design. The repair and restoration of the intake structure at the Ventura River, uh, there's phases two and three of that project that are upcoming that will help, that will restore our intake structure, which has been out of service for some time. And state water interconnect project, this is one of our larger projects. This is the project to bring state water in from Cayegas, and this is a pipeline project of approximately four miles between um, Santa Clara Avenue and Henderson Road in Ventura. We'll be talking about that on the next item. The Well 4 infrastructure, Satakoy Well 4, this is um, pump and electrical infrastructure and modifications at the Satakoy conditioning facility to add that, that well. That is um, just going out to RFP soon. And pump station Calorama replacement, that will be going to RFP in the next few months. The 210-263 boundary adjustment, that's a primarily a pipeline project that moves the, um, increases some of the pressure in the lower portions of the, um, moves the 260 zone into some of the 210 zone and uh, creates better pressure and operating conditions. And that project is partially necessary for us to move water from our transmission lines into the 260 zone. And then the uh, Nye Wells 7 and 8 pipeline project is also one that we're uh, just getting started on, the emergency repairs to that uh, replacement for that pipeline. Did we lose something? I thought I had two more slides. Three more slides. There we go. So this is the, the Nywell 7 and 8 pipeline. This is one that's been a concern of some of the water commissioners. Um, because of the storms in last winter, we had a portion of the pipeline from uh, wells 7 and 8 that are on the west side of the river. There's a pipeline that crosses the river and then um, goes down the east side of the river to the Avenue treatment plant, essentially. And that um, pipeline has been exposed on the bottom part of the part of this, the uh, graph here. We show um, some of the historic channel and a previous um, modification of the pipeline, and then we're seeing more scour towards the east side of the river, which has um, exposed that pipeline. The only thing that's really holding that pipeline is the plastic pipe liner that's actually inside the pipeline right now. So it's a very urgent project. The Nye Wells themselves um, currently supply approximately 25% of the city's water supply, so it's uh, crucial that we maintain that, especially with the uh, intake structure not, being fun not functioning right now. So we've proposed with Ventura Water Staff to align the a new pipeline on the west side of the river, essentially down pu primarily public roads and across existing roadway bridges, and then tie in at the south edge of Foster Park to the existing pipeline. And our next steps are twofold. Uh, we will continue delivery of the capital improvement program projects, advancing 13 projects through design towards procurement. 
completing the design bid and award and construction contracts on seven projects that are ready to advance into, or either in procurement or advancing to procurement and advancing and completing the six CIP projects currently in construction. In addition to that, we'll be returning to the Water Commission in January or February with our 2025-2029 CIP study session. That's part of our bringing the, our capital improvement program to council. We transmit that to council in January, and then we um, come in and discuss that program with Water Commission in either the January or February meetings. Then we have a study session with council and adoption by council of March, uh, March 25th. And that, you know, we call it a capital improvement program, but it's, it's just a plan and it has to be funded and budgeted uh, as part of the rate studies and other elements that are going on with council. So that's, it's a plan, but it gets adjusted quite a bit during the course of delivery. And with that, I'm available for any questions. Do we have any public speakers on this topic? Yes, we have Mr. Burt Handy. Good evening, Water Commission. How are you on this lovely Tuesday night? My question is a couple on the Nye Well 7 and 8. That area right there needs to be repaired, but there's a question I have. Is it the Matillaha Dam project drilled two wells for in the Foster Park area on the east side of Ventura River for replacement wells when they drop the dam down? That's not going to be done in about 2030. My question is, has Ventura Water looked at possibly working with the state to see if they can exchange those two wells for the ones on the west side due to the potential for losing that pipeline across the river. That way we would be able to utilize it and put the wells number seven and eight as they are the replacement wells for when the Tillaha Dam comes down. And also since the surface structure is not being used currently, that's not going to affect the pipeline. Now, this pipeline alignment would cost a lot less than $6.6 .6 million, which is what is projected to cost for the new pipeline running from wells seven and eight over to the other side. Being on the east side of the river, all they'd have to do is run a connection in an existing pipeline. In addition to that, there was another well number 11 over there, which I haven't seen anywhere listed on the CIP, which a well pump was replaced. That should have been shown on our cost factors because that's something, where did the costs come from on that? How was that handled? Why isn't it on the CIP? I don't know what the deal is with that, but it should have been there. So how many other projects are, they, are being handled without really being put on the CIP? So it shows really the total expenditures that Ventura Water is spending for all the customers. Thank you. Any other speakers? <coughs> Dina, do you want to? Mr. Handy, is that consistent with the email that you sent? Yes. Thank you, sir. Except for the issue with the 
Thank you. Uh, does the commissioners have any <coughs> comments or questions on the report? Just yes. one. Um, was the city council or notified about the nine, well, seven and eight, several meetings back, their city council meeting, and they were concerned that the water commission had not been informed and water staff informed that inform them we will be advised of that? Is that did that happen? Yes, Commissioner Ackerman. Um, on <clears throat> um, October 9th, we took the um, nine, seven, and eight conveyance line to the council, city council. Um, there were a series of inspections and meetings prior to this where staff was indicated that this needed to go to council in order to get the contractor on and um, be sure that we could, if possible, secure FEMA funding. Um, so it went on as an emergency emergency basis. Okay, and, and I wasn't concerned about being notified. I was a little concerned, well, I was surprised that they were concerned that we weren't notified yet, and I always feel like you're going to notify us when we need to know things, and if emergency comes up, you're definitely not going to call us at our house. So anyway, I was just wondering if that was one and the same. Thank you. It is. And I could follow up on that. We identified in our staff report an option for council to wait until after this meeting if they chose to. But we had to identify the urgency of moving forward, getting our consultants started on the work. I totally agree with that. Any other comments, Susan? I have a question, and I'm not sure who's the right person to answer it, and that is, what is Water Commission's role in approving changes to the CIP? It comes to us once a year, and we do take an approval action once a year, but sort of implicit in that staff report was that maybe we would have approved it, but I don't remember approving a project out of order, so what's the process? So the Water Commission's roles and responsibilities are to be advisory and, and um, have recommendations on the capital improvement project. I will rephrase that. Would we recommend then approval? So in this case, um, we were dealing with critical infrastructure um, that had a timeline associated with it. Um, there are cases where we have a uh, emergency situation. And um, another example is the 588 zone. Um, we had an exposed water line from a main tank, and we went ahead and put that in the capital improvement program to move that on an emergency basis. We're almost completed with that, but that did not come to the Water Commission prior to going to council. So it, I, took a, um, I took a look at what the staff had in their data, and I consulted with our public works director and the city manager, and we felt that this was critical enough infrastructure that we needed to move forward based upon staff's uh, expert judgment. So I have no dispute with any of that. I'm just trying to understand the process. So if it were not an emergency and there was something that you wanted to add to the CIP in between those annual updates, then correct. Well, you would come to the Water Commission for approval. What's an example where you ever did that? I don't know of any examples <laughs> per se. We, some projects are added administratively, uh, especially smaller projects that are necessary, and those are usually handled through a fund transfer from existing projects. So one example I can give is um, with Ventura Water Pure and the MBR. We came to you with the um, 
the report through the master plan giving the structural analysis and we changed those capital projects and wastewater for, that were upgrades and put them into the full MBR capital project. So that was an instance where we came to you and talked to you about changing how that CIP was um, going to be updated. Okay, so non-emergency projects would come to Water Commission for approval before they got added to the CIP. Emergency ones, you would just wait till the next year. Approval? I'm just trying to get it, clarity on the process. It's, 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 there's the, it, it's not an approval. The city council sorry, approves the project. I keep saying so the it's, wrong it's, thing. it's a recommendation. recommendation for and yeah, so if we're going to make changes to, so we, the CIP is a, is a fluent thing and we, and we give reports, we give updates on the CIP. Um, so there's a two-year plan, then there's the five-year book plan, um, and those come to the Water Commission. So if we were going to make changes, if we're going to add it um, based on a report or something that wasn't an emergency that we're going to put this in here, it's unfunded, funded, we'd, we'd talk about the funding, that would all come to you in the update for the CIP. Um, and that's going to come to you, and then that's going to be evaluated with the update to City Council. Right, and that's the annual recommendation mm -hmm. for approval that we do. Correct. So it wouldn't be typical anyway for us to approve emergency projects in between. No. Okay. But it would be typical to approve non-emergency project additions right. in between times. L large impacts to capital rates and, and changing so the large program projects. are going to come. So in smaller projects that aren't going to be done through the, pro the project, so um, I'm going to respond to Bert, um, Mr. Handy's comment about 9-11. That was handled through the O&M budget. It was not handled through the capital. It was just okay. a repair. Okay. I think I understand. Non-emergency capital projects would come to the commission for recommendation for approval if it's in between the okay. annual updates. Yes, that's under Emergencies your... would not. Correct. And we okay. vote to recommend as a water commission. We vote to recommend. Okay. Okay. That helps. Any other questions or comments? Thanks. Uh, I have uh, a few questions. Thanks for recognizing me. Appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Knudsen, you mentioned State Water Interconnect. And um, is this the route running along Central between Ventura and Camarillo, or is this a different leg? Uh, we'll be discussing that next, but I can just brief you on that. I can wait. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so the next question I had about your presentation was SCADA. Yes, sir. Um, you mentioned that there's going to be some work done on SCADA coming up after the new year. Yes. Okay. What is going on there? Is that a replacement? Is it an upgrade? Is it uh, it's a key project? Is it how much is IT involved? It's not so much an IT project, but it is an um, enhancement to the existing system, updating equipment. There are some reloca relocation, at least at one location, of a pressure uh, transducing station. Uh, Will, do you have any? You want to brief? Come up here and brief us on the. You're the project manager <laughs> for the Skeeta project, so we'll get you up here. This is Will Trax. He's our project manager. For and the I, and project. we haven't had an opportunity to discuss this at any great length, but it was under slide presentation, so. So with respect to the pressure monitoring stations, there's a few that are being changed. Um, they're being upgraded, and there's just new infrastructure being applied to those. Some of them required SoCal Edison uh, connections, so that's kind of been the timely uh, cost with that one. It's just been taking a little more time getting Edison's approval and connections. But in all in all, in general, of the project, it's just updating current systems to be 
standardized and to be um, integrated into a more uh, state-of-the-art system, essentially. Okay, and is this project exclusively internal to water department or public works? It's a water project. It's a water okay. project. Could I make a recommendation that you include IT? As there is great concerns about SCADA and cybersecurity, and IT is working on an assessment, and that includes SCADA. Yes, IT is involved, um, but it is funded through the water project, and we do not run, we don't integrate the SCADA system with any other IT facility within the city. It's an independent system. So it's air gapped, mm -hmm. completely air gapped. Yes. Okay, thank you. <coughs> Questions? I'm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, my question has to do with NIE, NIE 7 and 8, the pipeline. And why, why is it a, an emergency? I mean, my question actually comes down to the damage was done in January. The January storms are what washed that river away and exposed it. And now it just shows up on the platter and put before us, or city council. Um, I, I don't understand the emergency. Uh, we've gone through an evaluation process, uh, primarily with Ventura Water staff, evaluating options. And um, this was a preferred alternative, is to remove that conveyance pipeline from the river so we don't need to deal with this in the future. There's a balancing of the lesser permits that are required to align outside the river versus um, doing some construction work in the river. So between all of those items, and then we went to RFP for uh, selection of a consultant, so that was a publicly advertised RFP. We selected a preferred, went through a selection process, selected a consultant, and then um, brought an agreement, a professional service agreement to council along with adding the um, project to the CIP. Okay. What and I'm Commissioner, from you, and I hope this doesn't come off. <coughs> Miles may help. Oh, Commissioner Aranio, if I could just add a little bit to that answer. Um, the, as shown in the pictures, the, the pipeline is now completely exposed in the riverbed. And so let's say this winter we have additional storms um, it is extremely vulnerable. Significant amounts of debris, um, boulders, trees, et cetera, came down the river last year. So it is possible that a boulder could take out that pipeline and we'd no longer be able to um, get water from those two wells. So it is um, an emergency project that um, needs to be resolved as soon as possible because of that vulnerability. I'm not making myself, I totally understand what you're saying. I get it and I even agree with that. Mm -hmm but I'm doing a poor job of explaining myself. You've stepped through a series of processes of consulting with staff, developing RFP, looking at engineers, and so it just now shows up. We haven't heard of this before it went to council. I had no idea this thing even existed or that this was an issue. So my question is, if it's an emergency, and I get it that you gotta do things, by the way, three weeks over a 40, or correction, 200 week project, eh, you're kind of losing me there. Um, the, the delay is what I'm getting at. When you got a project scheduled over to the next four years, 
Um, I, I, I see a disconnect. <clears throat> I see a disconnect between when the event occurred, when the emergency actually was known, and when it is being reported and we're being made aware of, and the impacts that could possibly go along with it. And so, there you go. I understand that, and I don't know if uh, Ventura Water staff wants to respond to that first, or yes. you want me to follow up on that. This is Ron Herbst, he's a principal engineer with Ventura Water. And he's been far more involved in this project than I have been. Yes. So as you said, the storms happened way back in January. The river was still full for a long time. I wasn't notified of that issue until, let's see, April 17th. And I had just got back from vacation. I was like, oh my God, not another one. <laughs> So we all took action very quickly. I mean, we've all been on this. So the first site visit with Ventura Water staff, me and others, was the following week, April 25th. The week after that, I got Public Works involved because we need help from engineering. So we went out there and met, looked at the situation, assessed our options. My first thought would be, hey, we've got an HDDD under this river. That's a more typical solution. But then as we're out there driving around, it's like, hey, wait a minute. We can put this thing in the road, attached to a bridge, and now we can maintain it. Now if something does go wrong, if it just leaks or whatever, you know, we can dig it up and fix it. If you go under the river, you know, you're not, you're not really getting to it. So the next step, sorry, this will be pretty long. The next step, was we <coughs> began a hydraulic feasibility calculation. So we've got these two wells. We're going to reroute them. Is that going to mess up their pump curve? Are they going to be able to still deliver all the water? That answer was yes. So then we analyzed the alternative routes, developed alternative costs. This took about a month. So this is pretty much during the month of May. It also included the HDD alternative. Uh, the preference was to go on the road for, for many of the reasons I just said. Let's see, what was the next thing? Okay, then we had an additional site visit with the public works engineers and waterways consultants, the folks that did the uh, notch in the dam. Mm -hmm. They met us out there so we could talk about options in the river to maybe protect it for a little bit um, that ended up not really going anywhere. We got a lot of help from our biologist on that particular situation. That was May 11th. Then we got Mac Douglas, who's our city emergency service manager, out there on site because we were going to get FEMA involved to hopefully find some money to pay for this damn thing. <coughs> that was on May the 12th. So, I mean, that, this was the next day. We had the first FEMA meeting on May 22nd. We've had many, many FEMA meetings. And that was facilitated by Mac Douglas, who I just mentioned. Let's see, sometime in June, I, did not, I wasn't too involved with the development of the RFP that was handled by Public Works, but that started sometime in June. I'm just going you know, day by day here. Uh, so it might seem a little out of order, but it is just sequential. Then 
on, let's see, May 22nd, we started having the bi-weekly meetings with FEMA. So every two weeks we met, roughly every two weeks, we met with FEMA. Then like I said, the development of the RFP, RFP started in June. That thing was released on July 11th. Uh, <coughs> proposals for design were received and due on August 10th. We received three. And then the first site visit with FEMA, that was August 17th. So once again, just one week later. So that was the first time, uh, sorry. I'm okay. <laughs> that was the first time that FEMA was out there. So, so that was just a week after we're getting these proposals. Then FEMA, just four days later, did request us to set up the, the costs for repair in place. Because they kept saying, why can't you fix it right there? And we're going, well, we've wrote this letter with our biologist. We don't want to have it in the river. We want to put this thing where it's safe, in the road. Well, we jumped through that hoop anyways. That took some time. Mm -hmm. So we've got that. I actually don't know when that, that was delivered. But I think three weeks or four weeks later. And like, like I said, we would not really want to construct it right there. It's just not a good spot for a pipe. It was done way back in the day. It's way too shallow. It's in the scour zone of the river. I'm very amazed it even held up. Mm. Yeah. We're going to have to get through one more winter, too. Uh, the design contract um, was, uh, sorry, the design contract was awarded on October 9th, like Ms. Dorrington just said. Flowers and Associate, our selected consultant, was awarded on the 16th. And then I just want to give a quick thank you for all the people. It was not obviously just me. Amanda, my FEMA buddy. <laughs> Jenny Trebo, who's not here. Sarah Mulder, our biologist. Matt Douglas, the emergency services. Alex Puga, who's our engineer, uh, our senior engineer in public works. I called in favors from uh, consultant buddies uh, in Geotech, saying, where can I get the data to analyze if HDD is possible? And she's like, oh, just use the well logs and it'll give you something. So yeah, I was, I was calling in all the help I could find. And that's about where we are today. And so to um, add to that, um, we did not have a June meeting nor a July, nor an August meeting. Um, we had a, we had vacancies in the Water Commission we needed to fill, so we were at risk of not having a quorum. And during that time, staff was trying to develop what the project was going to be. So as soon as we figured that out and with the timelines, um, that, that, there were, that there was FEMA possibility there, I did not want to hesitate any longer in getting this project through. Um, being that any delay on these projects we've been going through has had repercussions down the end. Um, we've talked about Moundwell 3 um, lagging for several months, several years. Um, and so this was something where if FEMA was telling us they wanted a deadline, a, a, a drop dead date of when this needed to be completed, I wanted to give us the best shot. So you yeah. didn't have adequate information in September to come to the commission? N what no, information I, were you lacking uh, at the time of our September meeting? I 
I think the, well, the RFP was out probably in September. Let me see, when was that released? By the September meeting, the um, proposals have already been received, and I believe a selection had been made, and the uh, staff report was likely being prepared for City Council at that time. So prior to when we were preparing our report, we did not have the information for the Water Commission. So okay. I heard the October 9th City Council meeting, and I was surprised when I saw the city council agenda published a week prior and this item was on that city council meeting when we had the September water commission meeting and we were not advised of this and it was deemed an emergency. But then I was even more surprised when we received the notice the morning of October 9th saying, hey, water commission, this is on the agenda for this evening on October 9th. And so, you know, look, I'm just trying to do the job that I was appointed to as best as I can as a representative of a ratepayer advocate. And I, I don't even know what to make of this, quite frankly. I mean, what I heard as an emergency, I'm trying to qualify the emergency. I mean, you've known about this since, what, you first heard about it in April of 2023? Yes. And I realize you started investigating it and... Yeah, that took a... I mean... Yeah, and I realize there's a process or a procedure you have to work through, and then I heard also that there was a risk of not getting FEMA funding, but then there was a contract award based on an RFP to, on October 16th or October 9th, I'm not sure which. So it's almost like we were circumvented and I'm trying to figure out why I'm here if I'm being circumvented and if I'm wasting my time. Chair Clay, maybe I can chime in if appropriate. Yes, please. Um, I, I think the it's been identified that um, potentially not bringing it at the September Water Commission meeting uh, was an oversight um, and the item is now being presented to you. Um, as was noted, the staff report clearly identified the issue to city council that it hadn't gone to water commission. And as was stated, they had the option to say, um, no, we want water commission to provide input before we move forward. And they decided to move forward. But really the item is before you now. So I would encourage you if you have questions about the project, um, that you ask them now and um, staff can get you any answers that cannot be answered um, tonight. Um, and I think the message is clear going forward that whenever possible, um, if an item uh, is in development and it's gonna be likely that it's gonna be added to uh, the capital improvement program that it should come to uh, the Water Commission first. So I would encourage maybe in the interest of time, given the length of the agenda, um, that you focus on questions about the project. Um, but I think the message has been received um, by staff. Thank you, boss. Any other commissioner questions or comments? I actually do have a question, and it's about the timeline that was on your slide, sir. Um, Mr. Knutson, about the 2025 
2029 capital improvement program. And so you have the CIP transmittal January 22nd, 2024. And then you have a Water Commission CIP study session January, February 2024. And then a City Council CIP study session February 26th. So I'm wondering how much time the Water Commission will have to look at this. When we'll receive the transmittal? Will we get it before the City Council transmittal? Will we get it concurrently with the City Council transmittal? Will we have one meeting? Will we have two meetings? Will it be part of the workshops? I think I can answer some of those questions. Uh, the City Council is transmitted the proposed CIP on, at their January 22nd meeting. Um, when that agenda is published, that information becomes available to the public. It can also be made available to the water commissioners by water staff if that's their desire. Uh, we then go to various boards and commissions in the January and February timeline, uh, including Planning Commission, Parks and Rec, Arts and Culture. Uh, we have several uh, boards and commission meetings that we present various elements of the CIP to in what we call study sessions. Then we have a larger study session on February 26th with City Council regarding the entire CIP. And sometimes the study sessions with boards and commissions will extend past <coughs> the City Council CIP study session, but those need to be completed by the public hearing and approval on March 25th. So uh, we have a number of um, hearings that happen for our capital improvement program at the various boards and commissions. This is one of uh, several that we Okay, uh, thank you, because we're gonna get to where it, uh, a formation of an agenda coming up, but I'm having a hard time reconciling. We have the transmittal on June, January 22nd, then we have our water commission on January 24th, but then we don't have a water commission meeting until February 28th, but this goes back to city council on February 26th. So we've kind of got a- One shot. Well, we don't even have that shot. We've got two days. We need to work our workshop in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. We've got two days. And the CIP program is always changing during this dynamic um, because it's going to different various commissions. And so the final hearing and adoption date is March. So you will have more than one opportunity between January and March to bring this back. But it is part of when we're gonna set the new agenda for 2024. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Any other questions? I'd just like to end on a good note. <laughs> you're getting a lot done and your productivity appears to have picked up on the CIP and you're, you're getting a lot of projects done You know, over the last several years. Um, and. Uh, Ron, that's a great idea to put the pipe in the bridge. Thank you, yeah, we're, our productivity is increasing. We're still challenged by, we're about 50% down on our dedicated water design team right now. I was promoted out of the group and Alec Roberts was also promoted out of the group, so we have not successfully filled those positions. We have had advertisements out, but it's, it's a challenge recruiting engineers to the city of Ventura at this point. We've, mm. We uh, understand that and we're trying to deal with that with our HR department. 
but we would like to get those positions filled and be able to deliver projects a little bit more effectively. You're doing well for being uh, understaffed. Handicapped a little bit by staffing. Thank you. Okay. Ready? I'm going to move on. State water project update. Okay. Uh, our, one of our key projects in our uh, design section right now is the State Water Interconnect Pipeline and Blending Station project. I'm here to give you an update. I'm Greg Newtson. I'm with the Public Works Design and Construction Manager. Um, this project involves not just Public Works design, but there are also several members of Ventura Water staff that are involved in various elements of the project, um, both helping to manage various elements and also dealing with interagency agreements, right-of-way acquisition, and uh, other elements of the project. So it's really a, a team effort. Um, I'm just standing before you today. So an overview of what we're going to present is the design status as it stands right now, current activities and challenges, status of various permits, project timeline, next steps, and then available for questions and comments. Uh, for those of you that haven't been on the commission before, we are cooperating with uh, Cayugas and Municipal Water District, United Water Conservation District, to extend a pipeline from the Springville Reservoir and Hydro Plant in Camarillo um, across the, basically, the Oxnard Plain through farm, farm fields, basically, uh, past two spreading basins from United underneath the Santa Clara River and then on streets primarily Satakoy Avenue and Henderson Road, and then we have a flow control station and uh, chemical augmentation uh, at Hunsinger Park. So that's the general overview of the project for those of you that are new to it. As far as our design status, uh, during the summer, August and September, we completed the 60% uh, plan review by city and Cayugas staff primarily. Um, we've worked through one of our, another consultant, MKN, to model and evaluate the hydraulic impacts for some operating scenarios on the Ventura water system that was completed in September 2023. We modeled water being conveyed into the city and also our commitments to emergency uh, return of water through the system to Cayugas and what we could uh, reasonably expect to deliver through our system and through this pipeline. The 90% submittal of plan specification and cost estimate is anticipated for tomorrow from Stantec, our design consultant. And we've previously completed a pipe loop study, and one of the results of that study was we needed to also evaluate the influence of 100% water from Cayugas on system water quality in what we call our 430 zone, which is the area's around Satakoy, and we'll be starting that in November 2023. We'd involve um, evaluated a number of um, blend mixtures pre previously, but there was a scenario for 100% Cayugas water that is uh, possible but not likely. Depends upon our well conditions out there. Uh, one of the key elements of the project that advanced uh, in the past several months was our flow control station. So the flow control station continues to be a design work in progress. We have now selected a location in the frontage on Satakoy Avenue of Hunsaker Park. This is an area that's not used for park activities. And there will be um, 
two above grade pressure reducing um, valves at 12 inches in diameter, and then an underground vault with um, a metering station that'll be uh, jointly owned by the city and uh, Cayagas. And then there'll be some uh, above ground electrical cabinets and such. So that um, depicts that. We also have a side stream and chemical injection coming on Telephone Road through pipelines th from our Santa Cruz conditioning facility. And that saves us having to stage um, chemicals at this location and maintain a separate stock of chemicals. So that's the advantage of doing that. It does have perhaps some additional cost, but it uh, greatly simplifies operations. The pipeline is basically going to be constructed out of two different sizes and types of materials. Um, unincorporated Ventura County, that's uh, kind of south and east of the Santa Clara River. That's going to be a steel um, mortar-lined 30-inch pipe. And the portions in the city of Ventura, which are in city streets, will also be the same pipe type. And then crossing the Santa Clara River, we have a 24-inch HTPE. That is about the, the maximum size of pipe that's available in the pressure ratings that are necessary for that crossing. So the, line, the plan here depicts the depth of the crossing, which is approximately 140 feet below low grade in the river, and um, that will be one, that's a key element of the design and probably the, one of the more expensive parts of construction. Our current activities and challenges, the current activities, we have um, submitted the NEPA documents to EPA in May. Um, the legal descriptions are complete. The valuation appraisals are now complete for the private property easement acquisitions. They are undergoing review by our, um, our acquisition consultant before being returned to the city where formal offer packages to the property owners will be um, prepared and approved by city council. We are in the process of completing interagency agreements with Cayagas, United, Metropolitan, and California Department of Water Resources. Um, that's primarily being done by our uh, Ventura water staff. There's a second EIR addendum that's being reviewed by the city attorney's office. That may or may not go onto a council agenda. Miles may know a little bit more about what the current status is there. And we have coordination with Southern California Edison for underground electrical service at the flow control and metering station. Upcoming challenges are just getting the final construction documents prepared, acquisition of easements, completion of the NEPA evaluation by EPA that's necessary for grant funding from the federal government, obtaining encroachment permits from various public agencies where the uh, pipeline crosses areas where they have various interests in roads, levees, um, railroads, et cetera. Obtaining all the remaining construction permits and clearances, and then we're gonna have to verify compliance, the project's in compliance with all of our grant funding requirements. A big part of the project is obtaining permits. We divided these down into permits that are associated with the portion of work that's in the city of Ventura, the Santa Clara River Crossing, and the county of Ventura. Um, all of these are either in progress, they're being developed, or um, they, we are actually in coordination collaboration with various agencies, um, especially Caltrans and the county and United Water Conservation District. 
Um, there are also going to be some, some needs to obtain uh, building department review, primarily for the electrical uh, systems, and VCTC for the crossing of the railroad line uh, on Sadequoy Avenue. Our overall project timeline um, starts out in 2017 with the interconnection alignment study with Gallegos. There was an EIR that was filed in 2019. 2020, we started our design services, professional services agreement with uh, Stantec consultants. And coming up in the first part of 2024, we expect to complete the design, acquire all the necessary easements, permits, and complete the interagency agreement sometime probably in late spring, and then um, be able to, once those are all in place, and they all have to be in place, we can advertise the project, award a contract, and begin construction probably in the summer or fall. And that, to some extent, is gonna depend upon the contractor's acquisition of uh, pipe materials, um, because there are some delays in obtaining steel pipe and such for the, for the project. And we anticipate completion in 2026 of the construction. So our next steps, um, Stantec will continue to advance the design and construction bidding documents. We have ongoing collaboration with uh, Cayegas and United for their interests in the project. We have the 90% submittal to city review on October starting October 25th. Permitting submittals continue to be um, based upon the 90% will be submitted <coughs> to various agencies and jurisdictions. And we have had consultations with several of those in advance of that. We have a pre-qualification for the subcontractor to do the horizontal directional drilling in February. We will be completing the EIR addendum, our easement acquisitions, county encroachment permits, interagency agreements, and we anticipate advertisement of the project in May of 2024, depending upon permits, easements, and agreements all being in place. And with that, I'm available for questions. Do we have any public speakers on this topic? Yes, we have Bert Handy. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, comments, questions? Yes. Question. I think you mentioned in passing the funding for. Did you say there was outside funding? You were getting grants or loans. Uh, was the question that is there outside grant funding? It did not end up in this slide deck, but yes, we have Ventura Water staff has applied for a number of grants that will go towards this project. Um, Gina, do you want to? Uh, uh, yes, on those in fact, um, I, I don't need to know the specific okay. ones. Just one of the things I would highlight is since our commission is very concerned about costs and the like, we've had a couple of projects now. We're talking money from FEMA. We're talking money from. I don't know, Bureau of Reclamation or others. Verified. I think you ought to highlight those more and let people understand the work that you are doing getting grants. You have a number that I've seen, I think would be helpful for people to understand how that can very much uh, dampen the cost to, to the users. So I would encourage you to highlight those. Thank you, and just on that note, um, on Monday we approved, the council approved us to go for an additional five million through the BOR job, um, WaterSmart. So, um, the, BOR, the drop program mm -hmm. or under? So, project? for the state water project. Yeah, let's do soon. <laughs> Does help. Question, comments? Yep, thank you. 
So I've been following this project since I first learned about it. And roughly it was right around COVID, pre-COVID, my recollection is. And I'm gonna bring up broadband, no surprise. Um, there is a lot of work being done at the county and regionally, and this, this state water interconnection line is kind of a big part of the regional network <coughs> that is planned. And what I'm wondering, public works, IT, are you involved with those conversations with the county as it relates to that broadband network? And is there the conversation taking place for cost offsets or cost sharing and joint use trenching along that line where it can favor the city of Ventura? Uh, we, we have not. Um, this project is, uh, broadband was not contemplated in the EIR or in the project scope or in the um, CIP approvals by council. So that has not been considered as part of the, an element of the project. Okay, so the easement's gonna run along Central. Mm, it is field. gonna run, run in private farmlands. Private offset. farmlands, okay, so this isn't the Central. About midway anymore. between Central and Los Angeles Avenue. Okay, and the, the broadband network is basically gonna run along the same easement. That's what the county's planning. So, with that in mind, is there an opportunity to have a conversation with the county to explore cost sharing? I mean, there, there potentially is. I mean, we would have, have to be given direction by our managers regarding whether that is something that we want to add to the project. And right now, it's not included in the scope of the project, and I'm not fully aware that the county is intending to go through private easements um, across the Oxnard Plain. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Aronio, or go ahead. Ackerman? Okay. No? Um, it's a real simple question. At one point, this was actually a four-party agreement. Uh, has Casitas mm -hmm. made any communications with us on this? Now, this moving forward even more. Have they, uh, are, are, have they woken up from their deep <laughs> slumber? No. Uh, the Casitas Municipal Water District um, has, at this moment, declined to join in with this project. They have a separate project that they're working on for accessing their state water allocation. Okay. Uh, Gina, if I could just add one additional. They, uh, Casitas Municipal Water District still does support this project, um, even though they're not financially committing to it. And when you see the um, wheeling agreement that will likely come to you in um, this uh, next year, um, I'm hoping around March you'll start seeing some terms um, that uh, they're going to do an agreement with us and then likely use the same terms for the agreements with United and then um, Casitas so that um, if Casitas someday wanted to, they would have the ability to wheel through Metropolitan as well. Thank you. Commissioner Ackerman. Do we have a current cost on this project in today's figures? We are waiting for a cost to come in from our consultant. The 60% design cost for construction was approximately $38 million. 
and that would have uh, played into about a $50 million total project cost, including soft costs and such. So approximately 50 million was the project cost. Overall project cost. Okay, perfect. At the time. We're, Thank we're, you. I'm we're just still waiting for updated estimates. I'm watching my checkbook. Prices are <laughs> prices are changing rapidly these days. I, so yeah. It's uh, it's not out. just your supermarket that has cost changes. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions from the commissioners? I, I think it's a great project and it will benefit this water supply for the city of Ventura. Thank you, let's move on. Ventura Water Pure update. All right, thank you. We will have our um, Ventura Water Pure program director, Linda Szymanski, give us an update. Thank you. <laughs> Good evening, commissioners. As Gina said, my name is Linda Szymanski and I'm the Ventura Water Pure program director. So our agenda for this evening, um, we'll get, do a uh, brief update on project status and um, where we are on the number of projects that make up the program. Um, then we're gonna focus on CIP. Um, you know, since we are talking about CIP today, we wanted to bring forward um, some changes to the CIP, um, some updated cost estimates that we have. Um, some things that we're looking at for potential value engineering, and then we have some next steps for you. I go too far. There we go. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. So um, we are under construction for our outfall project. Um, I do have a short video um, that I'd like to show you. Um, Amanda, I don't know if you can help me with that. <laughs> So this is the site um, in Marina Park. Um, what you're seeing is um, drone footage of above the park. Um, what looks like the uh, kind of walls and kind of enclosing everything, that is a 24-foot sound wall um, that is being used to try to buffer some of the sounds um, from the actual construction work. Um, there's two, actually two different drilling areas within inside the wall here. This piece right here is going across the harbor. This is the piece that will connect over to the south of the harbor. And so this is actually the drone flying you um, over the alignment of the pipeline. So currently, we do have um, two pipelines that are under the harbor. Uh, one is the recycled water line. The other one is the sewer force main. Um, the Ventura Water Project is actually going to replace those two lines in addition to working on the outfall so that we can take advantage of the synergies of doing all this work together and just having um, 
disturbing folks once. Um, that sewer line um, is at the end of its useful life, and actually we had a break a number of months ago on the recycled water line, so it did need to be replaced. So um, we're now over in the area. Um, you'll know um, by the Port District administrative offices. Um, so that area is where we will be coming up. Um, it's actually Director Ventura. That's where our directional drill will come up. And so um, that area also has a sound wall around it so um, to help protect from some of the noise of the construction. So just a brief flyover of what's been going on out there. Um, just a couple of other notes on the update for that. Um, so we are in construction. Um, that is supposed to be done um, at the end of July um, 20, um, the offshore pipeline, I'm sorry, that should be July of 2024, not 2025. Um, so right now, um, we are just about complete with drilling the hole underneath the harbor and we actually hope that we will be pulling the casing pipe that will carry the outfall, the sewer force main, and the recycled water line under the harbor um, this coming weekend. So we are making substantial progress. Um, we have drilled approximately 1,500 feet out into the ocean. That's roughly a third of our distance out into the ocean where, where we'll come up and then continue the pipeline out onto the ocean floor. So we actually should see the barge arriving for all of the ocean work um, probably this coming weekend or, money, or Monday. So you will see a big piece of equipment sitting, sitting out just kind of beyond the harbor. Um, for the onshore pipeline, um, we did award that um, a number of months ago. Um, we are in the midst of setting up the pre-construction meeting for that. We don't actually expect to see any physical construction going on until January or February. It is set up so that it actually looks like it's continuous work from when we finish the outfall offshore portion so that you know, it, there's no stop and so folks think it's the same project going on. Um, and then we are, um, we've completed the 60% design of the outfall pump station, and we are looking to bid that in February of 2024. Um, some other project updates that we have, um, MBR, we are progressing the 30% design at this point. Um, we have done a best value selection for the membranes and the ultraviolet uh, light equipment. Um, we should be awarding those at council um, coming up within the next month or so. And then we are also continuing coordination with the um, outfall pump station because these two projects will be taking place at the reclamation plant. Um, overlapping somewhat, we're making sure that our consultants are talking together so that we are taking into account um, the needs of both projects. Um, for the advanced water purification plant, um, we are just about ready to submit our local coastal plan amendment. Um, the annexation um, is, going, is going to be submitted. Um, and we are actually in selection for designers. So we did have a, a request for proposals. Um, those were due several weeks ago. We completed interviews um, on Monday, 
and so we are in the process of um, narrowing down our selection and we should be awarding that in December, um, this coming December. Um, other things that we have going on permit-wise, um, we do need to do what's called a 1211 change of discharge because we will be changing the discharge um, from the estuary to, um, to the ocean. Um, we do need to do a, um, a change of discharge um, through the State Water Resources Control Board. So we will be submitting that application in December. Um, we've done a lot of pre-consultation with both the State Board and um, Fish and Wildlife so that we feel like when we submit this application, um, we have answered a lot of the questions that they may have already. Um, funding and financing, um, we're going to talk about this a lot more. Um, the Capital Improvement Program plan updates is pretty much the rest of this presentation. And then um, we are working um, with um, the rate modeler and also the financial advisors. And you'll see that in our next steps for the CIP update. So just I, wa I wanted to put forward where what's going to be coming to council probably through the end of the year. So um, like I mentioned, the MBR and UV equipment, we have done selection on that. We are finishing up the contracts with um, both of the vendors. That may or may not go November 6th, but it will be in the month of November. Um, November 13th, um, we will be doing a Ventura Water Pure update for council. Um, at that time, we're actually going to ask um, for approval to submit for a large-scale recycling grant, and I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, in the CIP. Um, December 4th, we have two items that we would be taking to council. Um, the first is an amendment for site-specific consultants. They are actually um, now working with the Community Development Department um, to focus specifically on Ventura Water Pure um, permits that are needed through the city. Um, you know, with the short staff of community development, um, we're actually using one of the positions that was originally put um, down for the Ventura Water Pure team to supplement community development. Um, we will also be hopefully awarding, as I mentioned, the Advanced Water Treatment Plant Design Designer. And then um, also in December, um, we will be taking to councils um, something called Owner Controlled Insurance Program. Um, this is a program where it relieves each of the contractors of having to provide insurance um, for, for the project that they are working on. Um, the city sets up the program. The city also um, administers um, a safety program for them. Um, so instead of the contractors buying the insurance, they will be insured through this program. And it is actually, we actually use the proceeds of what they would pay for insurance to pay for this program. Um, there's a couple benefits to this. Um, the first is it actually um, is projected to save us a little bit of money as far as insurance costs through all of the different projects that we have. Um, the other piece, um, 
It allows some of the smaller sub-consultants who now currently have to abide by the insurance of the general contractor, and these are large projects with large insurance, that there's a lot of subcontractors who just cannot afford to do that. This allows them to be able to afford to be able to work on a project and not have to carry that large insurance amount themselves. So it opens the pool a little bit more for subcontractors. Uh, the other piece of this is, is that um, the administration of all of the insurance would typically go through our risk management department. Because we have a number of um, different projects ongoing, there is a lot to take care of under the insurance um, for all of these different projects. Um, the way this works is there is actually a broker who administ administers this and advises the city rather than the city taking on all of that paperwork themselves. So we feel like this is, this is a, um, a beneficial project. Um, and so we will hopefully be taking that, um, like I said, in December. And then um, the one other item that I have on here um, is actually all the way out in February. We'll be talking about um, artist selections, but that's actually the next um, presentation that I have for you guys. So. so moving on to the updates. Um, so in fiscal year 23, we did do an update to the costs. Um, at that time, there were six projects in the capital improvement. Um, plan for Ventura Water Pure. Um, last year for the, um, the update, and it was kind of the middle year, so we don't do a large update in costs and projections um, during that period of time. But what we did do is rearrange the capital improvement projects. Um, we had a pump station project and we had a pipeline project which makes really sense, a lot of sense when you're thinking about it as you know, a particular type of asset that you're doing. Unfortunately, it didn't really make a lot of sense in terms of what those things were attached to. So we would be, you know, a pump station may have been part of either the AWPF or it may have been part of the reclamation plant. And so we were actually doing several different projects when we were designing one thing. And so it's much easier for us to administer um, having kind of taken the pipelines out and the pump stations out and putting them kind of into the big overall projects that we're doing. So at that time, what we did was basically just take the money out and put it in the particular area that it should have been in. There was no update in the costs, just an update in the number of projects and when that money was going to be spent in that particular project. So for fiscal year 25, we've taken a much deeper dive into um, the construction and the project costs for Ventura Water Pure. Um, we have received several bids so far for the project, um, basically outfall related. So um, we did actually see um, a 35% increase in the cost that we received versus what we actually had estimated. And I'll I have another slide that we'll talk about that just a little bit more. Um, we also are at this time, now that we're in design, receiving some updated costs from our designers. 
So um, the outfall pump station, our tertiary equalization, and the MBR project are now all in design, and we have some updates. So we've actually included those in our updated costs for fiscal year 25. And then um, we did actually go back for things that we're not actually um, working on in design right now and did some updates for those anyway because of the um, large cost differences that we're seeing. So for the advanced water purification plant, we actually had the, owner, the owner's advisor go back and take a look at the scope for that and um, look at, you know, and work with some of the vendors to give us an updated price for that. Um, we also, for the wells, um, have gone back and looked at some of the recent bids that we've gotten, um, both for the actual well drilling and for the actual um, above ground um, controls um, and all of that. So we have included that in the, the updates for fiscal year 25. So um, what we have done is also is because, you know, looking at the escalation that we've seen over the past couple of years, um, we have actually increased our um, escalation that we do for the projects to 6%. Um, in the past, we had actually been using about 4%. So, um, probably of no surprise to anybody, um, just a little information on inflation. Um, this actually goes back to 2012, and you can see all the way up through pre-pandemic, we were actually um, fairly flat um, as far as um, the, the increase in inflation, um, averaging probably around 2 to 3%. Um, hence, kind of the, the early estimates that when you used escalation, we were using those types of numbers. Um, if, when you get to 2021 and to 2022, you can see that there has been a large increase. Um, pandemic, supply chain, all of those things have, have um, been folded into the inflation. Um, we actually have two different ways of looking at it here. One, we just have CPI, the Consumer Price Index. Um, we're also looking at another measure that is usually used by um, the engineering area. Um, it's ENR's Building Construction Index. Um, when you look at those um, and you look at the cost, the increases over the past couple of years, you can see that there's a fairly substantial increase in the price of the project based on just the escalations that we're seeing alone. But that's not the total story. So um, we did actually break out some costs for you um, by the different projects that are going on and tried to give you some other, um, some other things that um, we've, we've also seen that have impacted the costs for the projects. So for the outfall pipeline, um, Probably the, the, um, the pieces that have impacted us the most is um, we've added in pigging stations. Um, they are located in Marina Park, which is an area that is subject to liquefaction and dewatering. So taking into account those in construction um, has increased the cost somewhat. Um, the pigging stations will actually allow us to clean this pipeline. Um, there is potential for scale of this pipeline. We don't know how often we're going to need to maintain it. Um, 
We've, at, we've actually um, talked to a number of different folks, um, the folks down in Orange County who have a brine line see significant um, buildup of um, salts and on the pipeline. Um, we also talked to Cayagas, who has a brine line, and they have actually not seen any, but they have a different type of material that is going through it. So we want to be able to clean this pipeline and maintain it for as long as possible. So the pigging stations were something that was not contemplated in the original project. For the outfall pump station, um, this is, I think, where we're seeing the largest increase. Um, and really, it has to do with what was originally scoped versus what we're seeing that we actually need to do now. So the original pump station was thought that it would just pump brine from the advanced water um, treatment facility. However, we actually, as part of the consent decree, actually need to also be able to handle the five-year, 24-hour storm um, that it has potential to come through for the wastewater treatment plant. That increases the amount of water that we need to be able to handle through this pipeline. And so it actually increased um, the amount that we need to handle from 1.2 MGD to 10 MGD. And on top of that, we need to be able to handle that whole range so, you know, for the most part, we will be running the advanced water purification plant. It we won't have wet weather conditions and we will have that lower concentration or that lower um, flow of the concentrate going out. But if the plant needs to shut down for any reason, um, if there's maintenance, um, anything like that, we will need to be able to handle that, that large storm in addition to the actual just regular flow to the plant. So that, that brings us to a not standard pump to be able to use um, for, for this purpose. Um, we also need to put in a um, blending sampling station. Um, we need to be able to report um, to our regulators what is actually going out the outfall. Um, so we need to be able to measure a lot of the, the different things that are actually in our NPDES permit. Um, the pigging station um, is part of this also. Again, we have the conditions um, for um, construction of liquefaction and dewatering um, that have increased the cost. There's also a new building code out, and so it requires us to actually look at making our facilities tsunami resistant. So um, that is actually an increase in cost to make sure that we have the structural integrity that we need to be able to pass code. And then um, the other thing that is part of the pump station is we're going to need to put in some temporary facilities. Um, while we are going through the construction for the outfall and also the MBR, um, we're going to be working in a live plant. Um, some of the pipes are going to be in use, but yet we're going to need to be able to get things to other places. So we're going to need to put in some temporary pipelines and some um, other temporary infrastructure. So that is actually included in this cost also. And, you know, as you can see, the things that, you know, were not in our original estimate are fairly significant.
Um, so for the, the membrane bioreactor, um, you know, we did this estimate not that long ago. Um, so, you know, inflation is probably not the largest part of the impact on this one, um, but there are a number of other things that um, I wanted to point out. Again, kind of just the site conditions take care of the first three. Um, one thing that, you know, as we were going through and looking at the consumption for power, um, keep in mind that we are going to be running a new outfall pump station, we're going to be running the current plant, and we are going to have to turn on the new MBR to um, commission it. Um, that is power that is above um, what we can currently handle with our current system, so we do need to do some electrical upgrades. Um, as part of making changes to the plant, um, we do need to take into account the stormwater. Um, we will be, um, we'll have a lot more area that is, doesn't perk, and we will be creating some more hard surfaces that will create some additional stormwater that our current system cannot handle. Um, we also will need to upgrade our odor control. Um, we will be adding in some extra equipment that does need to have that odor control. So we'll be actually looking at that also. And then, um, so the, the other piece of this is that in the you know, original look at what we were going to be doing, there was never any cost associated with demo demolishing the old facilities once the MBR was commissioned and up and running. So we needed to add those in as project costs. So for the advanced water purification facility, um, I broke this out into an, a number of different areas here. Um, so the actual plant itself, um, we have updated the cost. Um, so like I mentioned, we used um, updated vendor costs. And the other thing that was not really included in this was the site work. It really was just the processing. We, when we went back to look at the original figures, I'm not quite sure how we were building this without moving dirt, but we were. So, so that is the increase that we see actually for the plant itself. Um, we're looking also at um, costs for our um, effluent storage and for our concentrate storage. We actually need to equalize the flow into the advanced plant. It's um, very important that we not see a lot of spikes through the um, reverse osmosis process. It works best that way. Um, so we do need to have um, so something to hold feed and give us that steady flow. Um, same thing for the concentrate for the outfall pump station. I mentioned that we have that wide range of pumping that we need to do um, to be able to accomplish all of that, we do need some f to store some of the flow so that we can be within that pumping range. So um, you can see that the cost that we had originally estimated and you know what we're looking at now are, are really not that different. Um, you know, we had contemplated these things as part of our original stuff and actually we weren't really too far off, maybe the only one. Um, the other piece that was really never part of the project, 
is kind of some of these non-process components. Um, the original estimate was really based on just processing. And so um, we do now have some estimates for a public outreach building, for landscape, um, for the area for admin and ops and a shop, and then also uh, a lab. Um, these are all costs that are based on a square footage. Um, and I will say that a lot of these costs um, are for like a complete full lab that would move over from the wastewater plant over to the um, advanced purification plant, something that we can look at. Um, the admin and ops shop, um, probably something that we need. We need to have those storage areas, we need to have a shop, those types of things. Um, landscape, I mean, this is, you know, the, the vision landscape. Do we necessarily need to have vision landscape? Something that we definitely need to take a look at. Um, the public outreach building. I mean, we wanted this to be a public facing um, um, facility so that we could bring people in so they could understand what we were doing, those types of things. This is something that we can probably take a look at. Um, again, a square footage based. Maybe there is a different way for us to reach out to the public and still include something, but maybe, maybe not the square footage that we had originally envisioned. Um, groundwater. Um, for the wells, um, we actually have taken a look at the number of wells that we will actually be needing in phase 1A. And so the decrease in the cost here is um, not, you know, there's an increase because of inflation, but a decrease because of the number of wells. So it actually um, turns out to be just a slight decrease in, in this number. Um, for the pure water pipeline, um, we have actually updated this number based on um, the current pipeline projects that we've bid. And um, so this is mostly a, an inflation cost. So we mentioned a little bit about value engineering. Um, you know, we understand that with the increase of costs, we need to look in every corner for places to save money. Um, on the outfall pump station, um, or the outfall on the pump station piece of it, um, we were looking and have identified kind of a different way to handle some overflow situations that will save us um, putting in one of those additional temporary pipelines, um, $8 million. Um, we talked a little bit about the AWPF and you know, some of the things that we need to look at as far as the non-process stuff. Um, you know, rough and dirty, 23.7, maybe right off the top, um, but there is potentially more savings there. And, you know, as we look at some of the other things for the Ventura Water Pier project, um, you know, we will continue, I mean, we will continue to look for ways to save money. Um, when you look at the MBR, um, you know, again, as we're going through our design, we are looking for potentials um, to actually save money. We haven't actually identified anything yet. We know the opportunities are out there, and having our construction manage, our, con our contractor on site working with us during design will certainly benefit us and help us to, um, to make sure that we're constructing as efficiently as we can. So, I mean, the bottom line is, is definitely not good news. Um, 
our costs um, for the last fiscal year were um, about $375 million. Um, the increased project costs that we're projecting right now are about $557 million. So, you know, we understand that this is a large increase. Um, like I said, we're going to look for, in all of the uh, crannies that we can, to find cost savings. Um, so, we are actually working with um, our, our folks who do um, the rate modeling for us. Um, we have given them these new numbers to plug into the rate model. Um, we will be coming back to you guys at a special meeting in about two weeks on November 8th. Um, we do not have any of those um, impacts on rates yet, but we will have them for that meeting, so we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that, you know, with the increased cost is going to come increased rates, but I don't think that we can at this point give you a good idea of what that is. Um, so when we went for the WIFI alone, um, it was our intention to use it as a regular loan. It does actually have some benefits associated with it that we may be able to use at this point. One is capitalizing our interest, and the other is um, deferring some of the principal payments. While that does increase the total price of the loan overall, it does actually um, give some relief on rates, and so something that I think we need to consider as we're kind of going through and doing these different analysis. Um, the other piece that I mentioned on November 13th, we'll be doing an update for council. Um, one of the things that we want to do there is ask for permission to apply for the large-scale recycling grant. This grant is specifically set aside for projects that are greater than $500 million. So, unfortunately, we now qualify. <laughs> Could you repeat that so, one more time, please? Pardon? Could you please repeat that one more time? Sure. This is this is this project. This um, particular pool of money, the large-scale recycling grant, is set aside for projects that are greater than five hundred million dollars. Federal. It, it, it is through the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation, so yes. Hmm. So this was not available to us um, previously, but would be now. Um, we have consulted with the Bureau of Reclamation. Um, the way that this would work is we would be able to apply twice, um, once um, with an application at the end of November, of this year and again with an application at the end of September next year. That will allow us to be able to um, get 25% of our total project costs as grant. Um, most, what in the period it will cover will be mostly uh, May 2024 through the end of the almost through the end of the project in December of 2027. And our estimate for that is 95 to $100 million in grant money. So um, we're also working with our um, financial advisor consultants, um, you know, looking at these increases. I mean, this has an impact on finance also, so we're working with them um, on a biweekly basis. 
um, to kind of look at cash flows and um, how, how that is being impacted. Um, we also, for November 8th, um, plan on look, going back and looking at some of the alternatives that were originally proposed um, in the place of Ventura Water Pure. And those include ocean desalination, um, taking tertiary treated water to Oxnard, um, the expansion of recycled water pipe, and then also taking water to the United Water Spreading Grounds. Um, there were prices associated with that um, back at that time. Um, also keeping in mind that the goal was to create an additional water supply for the city. So based on those two things, Ventura Water Pure at that time was um, the most practical to um, actually deliver the goals that we had of meeting the consent decree and providing that water supply. Um, you know, with these new cost estimates, it's probably time to go back and take another look at those. So like I said, we hope to have that information for you um, on, in our November 8th special meeting. And with that, I am happy to take any questions that you have. Do we have any public speakers or questions? Yes, we have Bert Handy. Good evening, uh, Water Commission. Questions that I had on this basically were what was going to be the O&M costs and at this point in time I guess that's really not an issue that can be looked at. And the other thing I'm curious about on this presentation that was made, the way I understand it is there's two phases to this water project. First one is phase one, if I'm not mistaken, it's something like 2,400 or 4,000, 3,600. And then the second part of it goes up to what? 5,400. So the part we're looking at, I understand, is only the first part. So we don't really have a full picture of the full project as to what the projected cost of the full project is. And I believe that should be addressed in all this information that we have here. That's a concern because that information is very important for planning for you guys to look at. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Andy. Comments, questions from the commissioners? You want to start? Sure, I have some questions. So there have been three potential future projects that have been talked about as being incorporated in the AWPF. One is, um, is uh, phase two, and one, and one is direct potable reuse, and the other is the groundwater desalination. Do these costs include any facilities that are needed for those projects but not for this one? So this, this, these costs do not include expansion of the advanced water purification plant um, to the 5,400 acre per year. Um, they do not include direct potable reuse, which would require additional processing based on the regulations that are proposed. Mm -hmm and it does not include groundwater desalting. Okay, great, thank you. Um, and then, I'm just curious from a, it, it's a very small cost, but 
for the art or things that aren't strictly required for the water treatment? <coughs> Where's the funding come from for like the art part of it? Oh, that's the next presentation. <laughs> okay, I'll ask you about that at the next one then. That's fine. Um, and then you've actually anticipated some of my other concerns, but I'll just run through them quickly, which is the, the items that aren't strictly necessary for water treatment. Because, you know, we're looking at a lot of bigger rate increases, and to the extent any of those can be not spent, it would be helpful. You know, public outreach facilities, maybe this isn't the time to build an $8 million public outreach facility. Maybe some other time when the rates aren't going up as much. $6 million in landscaping, when I read that, I was quite shocked. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've always thought at projects, you know, you do the landscaping that you have to to get through any city ordinances and you call it a day. Because not only are they expensive up front, you've got to maintain them, and that adds cost. Correct. And let, let me just say that that cost actually included a lot of things like interpretive signage and, you know, those types of kind of outside interaction with the public also. So that, that's why that number is large. And perhaps that not, this isn't the time for that either. And then the admin operations and shop, certainly you need places to put the employees but I don't know what assumptions you're making about the employees. You know, the uh, Water Replenishment District's plant that's more than three times bigger has eight employees. The last org chart we saw for this was 16. Um, that you know, represents costs for building the facilities to house the employees as well as long-term O&M commitment. So I hope that you're really looking hard at keeping those costs down. Um, the uh, Last one is, is the lab. You know, maybe this isn't the time for a new lab. I understand the need for a process lab for a treatment plant like this, but there's a fairly large lab. It's got, I think, eight, em eight employees, yeah, at the wastewater plant. Perhaps the work can be absorbed there or contracted out, you know, or some of their work could be contracted out. Um, that's more typical for utilities to contract out lab work anyway, and that's another cost saving that I think should be seriously considered. Um, so, you've done a great job of explaining the reasons for the cost increases, and I get that with inflation and the ENR, construction costs are always going up, and as projects get deferred, the costs go up a lot, and you find things that you didn't think about when you did the first estimate. All those things have happened to you, and you did a good job explaining that. And so, I would just encourage you, and you're already on it, is just shave everything that you can out of this project so you can reduce the rate impact. So. That's it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Who's up next? Whoever okay. wants to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a crack at it then. Thank you. Um, on, on the slide, upcoming council actions, you put uh, MBR and UV equipment pre-purchase, November 6, 2023. That's outside of our purview. Or or is that already decided? Um, what is that? So we're actually doing um, pre-purchase of some of the equipment for the uh, membrane bioreactor project. Okay. Um, two, two of the, the larger pieces and the longer lead time items are the membranes um, for the, um, the actual um, filtration after the aeration process. And the other one is the disinfection um, process. And 
to be able to purchase those early so that we are able to have the exact design parameters and also to lock in the price for that equipment. We are doing a best value selection for those um, particular pieces of equipment. Um, you know, this allows us to kind of forestall a little bit of the escalation and, you know, provides us with some more information during design. Okay, so it's listed as upcoming council actions. Yes. So we, we, we are, we have selected the equipment and the city will be purchasing those for the contractor to use. Right, okay. Look, I don't even know what that equipment does or... I remember a few months back before I was seated on this commission, you went with the change, we need this, MBR, et cetera. And I'm assuming that's part of it? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, so, these, these are pieces of the overall process. And they're the larger, more expensive, long lead time items. Right, larger, more expensive, new. Okay. And so here's where I'm going with this. As part of the increase in all of these costs, and knowing that we've expressed concerns about all of the increase in spending, and you're going to council with not really disclosing anything significant to us other than a, what do you call that on the slide presentation? It's the box. You're putting a footnote in essence. This is what we're doing. But we don't know any facts about that. You're really not sharing us any details about what that is. And so what I'm wondering is, should we have those details? Commissioner Omandala, it is part of the approved project. It's part of the approved program that has been moving forward. It's equipment procurement. So it is not something that typically goes to Water Commission nor does equipment purchase typically go to uh, city council. It's the fact that the way it's purchased that it needs to go through the council procedures. It's a large amount going through a pre-procurement process. How much? Do you know how much? How much is it? Oh, off the top of my head. Okay, Alec. I remember, remember a big number from up? the previous council <laughs> meeting. Yeah. 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 We'll look it up for you, right, but it, that, it's five million and under. Okay. So then, my other question was December eighteenth agreement owner controlled insurance plan. That's correct. Look, it, it sounds great. I understand a little bit about insurance risk, but let me just say a little bit, and I understand about risk offsetting, and I'm assuming that's what this is. Correct. It's a risk offset for the city to make sure that the insurance policy holds up with the contractor. That's correct. Okay. So that the contractor may not be underinsured in case there's an issue. That's correct. Okay. So my question is, does the city or the ratepayer supplement this? How is this paid for? You said it's from a fund from the contractor, but is this subsidized from the ratepayer? So the ratepayer would be paying insurance through the contractor's contract. So the contractor includes in his bid insurance. So 
the way this project works is that for some of the pieces insurance that the contractor needs to carry, we will actually save a small amount of money. For other pieces of it, it will be about even with what the contractor would charge us as part of their bid. So we're paying this cost through this project no matter what. So instead of the contractor actually putting that on his bid, we will then use those funds that would be part of his bid to pay for this program. Okay. And the, the work that we've done through our consultant basically says that it will save us some money. Um, it won't save us a large amount of money, but it will save us a little bit. But what it does save us is all of the paperwork and management of all of that. Okay, so is this part of the CIP expenditure? This is, this is something that would be built into the, the construction contract typically. Okay. So it is part of that cost. Okay, thank you. And I'm kind of wondering if this fits it within our purview or not. So, okay, thanks. And then um, if I could advance to your slide, and I'm sorry, the, the deck I have here doesn't have slide numbers like you do, but I think it's three slides forward, please. So maybe 40, yeah, uh, next one. Okay, the footnote in the box that says updated estimates include 6%. Mm -hmm. I know you spoke about that, yep. and I wrote a question about what does this specifically mean? So basically, Thumb this down for me. Yeah, so basically what we're doing is we are trying to take into account the fact that this project is not going to be done this year. It's going to be done over a number of years. Therefore, as, as we're kind of moving forward through design and you know, deciding what we need and putting that together and bidding it. In the meantime, prices are going up. Right. And so this is meant to kind of take into account the price, that those prices are going to be going up. And so we're building that in to our costs. So we have a cost, you know, of what it would be right now. What we don't have is a cost of what it will be three years from now. And so we're using that 6% to help us um, estimate what that increase in cost will be. So here's where I'm a little confused because the title is fiscal year 2025, and you're saying there's a 35% higher than budget for 2025, but then you're saying 6%. Is 6% on top of the 35%? Or is it, does that Are you make talking about the first box up there, yeah. the 35%? So those are actual costs. Right. We're, we, we have already incurred those. So based on the estimate that we had versus what we actually got in in bids, that difference is 35%. Those, okay. we are not escalating those. We have those costs now. We know what they are. So you're saying the 6% is for future years? 6% 6, 6 is for all of the things that, you know, we have priced now that we will be building in the future. But you're saying the ENR is, what, $80 I mean, right now, right now what we're seeing, as a yeah, we don't, yeah, the, like, ENR indexes are based on percentages. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to pull off an ENR number right now, but if you look at consumer price index kind of through the year, it's 4% right now. So, you know, 
what is inflation doing for the rest of the year? Um, you know, if it stays at 4%, then we've overestimated a little bit, but kind of based on the past couple of years mm -hmm. and what we've seen and what our contractors are telling us that there is still, you know, supply chain issues out there. There are still long lead time items. We feel much more comfortable going with 6% to give you a, a more accurate estimate. <coughs> Could you advance two more slides, please? I'm just gonna go through these. Um, the costs that weren't accounted for. Mm -hmm. I, I just said, oops. And so my question is, mm -hmm. why weren't these accounted for? What happened? Um, you know, I, I tried to explain for the outfall pump station, yep. the cost that was estimated was a pump to pump just the concentrate from the advanced plant, which is that 1.2 MGD of flow. So it is a completely different animal from what we actually need um, to be able to handle some of the consent decree um, um, thing, part, portions of the consent decree. Why it wasn't taken into account, we missed it. Fair. Okay, and, so that and, oversight affects yeah. the ratepayers. Correct. I mean, yeah. you know, we, you know, when the original cost estimates were put together, we, we just missed it. And and here's the problem that I have sitting here, for all of these years of sitting in the gallery and listening to the council meetings, listening to the water commission, and now sitting here. This has escalated and escalated and escalated over the years. And look, I understand things happen, we miss things, and we change orders. And what we're hearing tonight, I'm going to assume there's going to be more change orders. So I'm just trying to brace myself for this, and you know, I'm trying to reconcile some of that. And you know, anyway, let me continue, please. Um, next slide, please. Okay, so I'm going back to some of my telecom experience. And I'm gonna ask a question that may not apply to water. But I remember the conversation about the membrane bioreactor and how there were reasons for updating from the old to the new. Okay, so now you're saying we didn't account for the demolition and it's gonna cost 13.4 million. Mm -hmm. That's a big number. But I also remember the conversation of saying, well, we're moving to the new one because even though it's more expensive, it provides a better service and we need it. And then it's expensive to maintain the old one. So here's my question. And this is a telecom term. I don't know if it applies. Mm -hmm. But why decommission it? Would it not serve to possibly maintain it to its minimum ability to produce and have it available for redundancy or high availability backup? So the current processing is structurally deficient. Um, when we looked at this project to make a choice between upgrading the current process that we have now versus going to the newer process, um, 
the repairs that we would need to do to the current process um, would need to be replaced in about 10 years or so. So we looked at this on a kind of a lifetime of the new MBR right. and you know, looked at the cost of putting the Band-Aid on now versus all of the other things that we would need to do in the future. When you penciled all of that out, it made a lot more sense to go with the, the, new, um, the new processing. Yeah, but you're gonna um, spend $13.4 million to decommission it now. So what would it cost well, to maintain yeah, it? We are, um, because the site is constrained at some point in time, um, we will need to use that area for something else, and quite honestly, it is structurally deficient and probably needs to come down anyway. Uh, well, I, I think that's worth exploring a little further. That's correct. Do you have a white paper on this? Yes, we do. Can we see it? Absolutely. That would be great. How do we find it? You'll send it to us? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving to the next slide, please. I think Commissioner Mulligan covered most of this, the $43 million. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll skip that and I'll also skip my explicative. Um, that kind of covers my comments for now. Thank you. If you'd like, I can add the cost. I thought you were going to add in my explicative. Alec, <laughs> if, if you wouldn't mind uh, going to the microphone just so um, the recording can capture what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah, so for the, uh, the MBR equipment purchase that we plan to take to council on November 6th currently. <laughs> that equipment is $5,761,000. Approximately that includes shop drawings of them customizing it to us, the delivery of the equipment, the warranties, the help of startup and commissioning. Uh, all That's all, all included. We did go out for uh, to receive proposals on this and 65% of our weightings was best value selection was based solely off of 20 year life cycle of cost. And this was the best option for the city. Uh, and then for the UV equipment, it comes out to 2,930,000 approximately. And same for that, we went out, received proposals, 
majority of the uh, went, went to the final decision, 65% is the 20 year life cycle cost. So we are trying our best to be cost con conscious here. And um, yeah, that's, that's what the totals are for the equipment. I appreciate that, and I'm sure your work is excellent. I just have no perspective on it. Yeah, it's expensive equipment. Yep. So no, I realize that. And the, the heart of the treatment, really. The unforeseen expense of a demolition charge of $13, $13 million. You know, if we're going to spend $13 million to demolish something, I'm like, well, how can we use it to retain it as a redundancy, perhaps? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, let's explore all options. Yeah, and in answer to your question about the $13 million, um, that equipment is, like I said, structurally deficient, and so it really does need to come down. Um, putting the Band-Aid on it, um, I think you heard Turn what the price, the price for it is almost as expensive as doing another project. I've got just a couple of simple questions. Please, go if ahead. possible. Um, let me see here. The MBRUV and the ocean outfall, together do they meet the intent of the consent decree? No, they don't. No, they don't. Okay, no. very good. Number two. Uh, oh, Commissioner Ackerman, could I, could I just expand on that answer a little bit? Thank you. <laughs> um, so the, the um, membrane bioreactor project will enable the city to meet um, one component of the consent decree. So there's a, uh, a nitrate limit in the remaining discharge that the city will have to the estuary. And um, it was uh, four micrograms mm -hmm. per liter. Is that Correct. right, Gina? And so that obviates the need for the treatment wetlands uh, the city was going to need to construct. Um, otherwise, the effluent would need to pass through a treatment wetlands before discharge to the estuary. And that was going to be a complex project to build and then maintain um, really in perpetuity. So that's one benefit of the going with the membrane bioreactor project is having that improved uh, uh, nutrient reduction in the discharge. And then um, having the outfall will enable the city to meet the diversion requirement um, in the consent decree by 2025. Um, but the, um, the state agencies will only let us do that uh, for so long. And ultimately, the city does need to put that effluent um, to beneficial reuse. And the, the proposed way of doing that is the Ventura Water Pure Program sending it to the Advanced Water Purification Facility so that it can be um, eventually a, a potable water source uh, for the city. So, okay. um, so those, the those are key elements to achieving both uh, the consent decree and the requirements of the city's NPDES permit. Okay, and that permit is the NPDES permit for the outfall initially, but we have to change that flow to Water Pure. Yes, or to some uh, beneficial reuse project that uh, is, complies with the consent decree and with the California recycled water policy. Okay, uh, my next question, I think I know the answer. The um, MBR was to replace a secondary and tertiary treatment uh, process at water reclamation facility, is that correct? So it will be at that facility or is it going to go 
to New Water Pier. I'm sorry, I'm talking oh, to no, you. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> so, yes, it, it, you're exactly right. It was to replace those two, the secondary and the tertiary treatment that we have currently at the reclamation plant, and it will be built at the reclamation plant. Okay, very good. Would uh, the WIFIA loan cover this project initially? Uh, well, we're not meeting the, the consent decree anyway, so I guess that's not a valid question. I just wondered if WIFIA would cover the cost of those projects. So the WIFIA loan is based on both um, the Ventura Water Pier projects and the MBR project. We were able to include right. it when, right. when we actually went for WIFIA funding. Okay. And I do remember that now. Uh, now, the estuary, could that be used for stormwater? Or does it all have to be go out through the outflow? No, the conditions of the consent decree require us to accommodate that storm okay, flow. So and no not, more, and nothing in there's there. A, there's a particular requirement for a threshold. Yeah. If there was a th certain threshold that that storm event broke open the berm, uh -huh. uh, according to um, the agreements that we've made with our resource agencies, then it could handle the stormwater flow. But we do not have control over that, nor right. can we predict we need to engineer for that storage. Okay, and we're talking size of pumps here from a little itty bitty to. And one last question, what's ENR? <laughs> Engineering News Record. Um, Engineering. They are you know, a company, they have a magazine, they talk all about construction, and um, they actually put together construction costs and compare them over time, and right, they prepare you. some indexes that tell you how much prices have increased. They Very do good. it for labor, they do it for materials, those types of things. Thank you. I just have a follow-up to Commissioner Ackerman's question about the consent decree and the line items about this consent decree. Is there a matrix you might be able to put together that shows the items directly related to the consent decree and then the items which are in addition or extra or benefits to the city? Um, yes, we can do that. Um, they were included in presentations to City Council um, back in 2020 and before that in 2019 to both the Water Commission and City Council, but we could put that together. And is it possible those could be updated with current costs to reflect the increases in cost? Um, I, well, the they're all frankly necessary so this presentation really provides the update on the costs but we could kind of bullet point which items relate to um, the consent decree and which also relate to the city's NPDES permit. Appreciate it. I'm just trying to get a one pager that shows what's necessary based on the consent decree and what it costs in you know new dollars or change orders. Okay, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much everything, um, uh, um, except for, you know, those few items that um, uh, Commissioner Mulligan identified, but we can, we can provide that um, for you. Thank you. And then one other comment, because Commissioner Ackman brought up the WIFIA loan, mm -hmm. and I remember in one of your previous slides you mentioned a deferral. Okay, so if there's a deferral, to lessen the impact to the ratepayers, I believe that's how you phrased it. That's correct. I would assume it eventually balloons for a larger lump sum payment. 
That's correct. Overall, it does increase the overall cost of the loan, but it does provide a a um, a benefit of you know a lower rate increase. So it's something that needs to be weighed. And so, what does that look like on an amortization table? That is something we will provide for you on the eighth. Thank you. Any other questions, comments, Commissioner Ronio? Uh, can you advance three slides, please? to the cost summary. There you go. Um, on this table here, you have uh, FY24 through 28 cost. When were those numbers developed? Those were developed um, about the same time last year. But as I noted, um, we don't necessarily do a deep dive. We do a two-year cycle. And so in the first year, we do the deep dive. In the second year, we do not quite as deep a dive. So the costs were not necessarily updated um, from the previous fiscal year. Got it. The numbers look familiar from when you were when we were talking about the Woofy alone. Correct. And when we went to council. Correct. I guess for me, um, being a rather simpleton, I'm sorry. That, that's that we're looking at a 50% increase in the cost in a year. The difference between 374 and 556. It's 50%. And Ouch. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and now thinking about the agenda and what we're being asked here on the packet is to accept this report as it's presented. Um, staff recommends that the Water Commission receive the written report and oral presentation on the status of the Venture Water Pier program. I guess while I'm Myself, after listening to everything's gone on here, okay, I get it. We received the report, but I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable agreeing with or endorsing its findings. There's a big gap here as to what has happened and where, where we're at today, and I don't want to send a message myself, and anyone else can jump in and pile on or tell me to shut up. Um, Keep talking. Send something to. City Council saying that we're signing off on this and that we're agreeing with it because I don't have any comfort levels. I'm sure you did your job and you're, I'm not meaning to pick on you. But, yeah. damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I did say that. <laughs> That's where I'm at. And I will uh, just add my comment. I've long been a supporter of this project and it's just shocking to see that price increase just absolutely shocking and i understand it you know it's uh, very unfortunate we didn't think of some things uh, but then i was also thinking about your slide maybe another slide forward where you say maybe it's time to rethink alternatives and it's like, oh my God, we have spent like five years <laughs> working on to get to this, and it would take another five years to get to Ocean Desail, and probably that would be at least three times more expensive by the time we get there. And then um, this <laughs> sending the water to Oxnard, okay. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, all I mean, we're I, there. this. <laughs> there a long time um, 
we have gone through, and just so the new commissioners understand, we have talked about all these things. We have looked at the prices for them. We've, so it's just, it's so disheartening in my last meeting to be back uh, looking at these things. I can't imagine how you feel. Um, and also really, I, it, this is about rates and ratepayers. It's also about our water supply. We are in a climate crisis. We are facing severe droughts. We don't know how long those droughts will last. Ventura Water Pure is a way for us to keep our water in the system, to keep reusing it. It's a resiliency thing. If we just look at it as money, we are missing the major point, the reason that we started this whole journey. I just want everyone to understand that. This is not just about money and rates. Imagine, if you will, the cost of money, the cost of water, when there is no water. Look at what's going on in Arizona. Look at it. There are towns with no water. They're trucking in water. Now maybe we'll never get there, but I want to remind everyone here, we went down this path because we want resiliency in our water system. We want resiliency. So if any of these other things can do that for us, and be less expensive and get us to it quicker, fine. But as my closing statement here, I just want everyone to remember how we started on this path. I'm Chair Clyde. Yes. Uh, thank you. If I could just address um, Commissioner Aranio's last comment. I just wanted to clarify that um, in receiving and filing, that, that's not an endorsement you're just receiving an update um, on the status of the project. There are other um, items that come to the Water Commission where you're specifically asked to recommend um, to the uh, City Council a particular approval. Um, so that's, I just want to clarify that um, nothing's being recommended um, by the Water Commission by receiving this update. And as um, uh, Ms. Szymanski has shared, uh, we're going to return in two weeks, and she'll, she's going to provide additional information um, to the Water Commission on these updated costs. Thank you for that clarification. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Klein. Yes, please. I just Commissioner wanted to Savage. add to your statement. I think it's important to note that their <coughs> water supplies are all in risk. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about one of your groundwater basins may have to reduce by 45% under the Sigma rules that are coming out of United, I understand, in that basin to the south. And having a, f in the old days we used to talk about having a, uh, basically a firm water supply. Well, we don't really call that anymore. But this is a firm water supply. It allows you to do a lot of different things. You can manage your groundwater basins. You can manage, you know, you're talking about state water project water. You're not going to get 10,000 acre feet every year. Right. These things are going to vary. Same thing with casitas, what's going on. Having this water supply, that's the nice thing about recycled water. It's a disposal and it's a water supply. Right. That's how we convinced Irvine Ranch way back in the 1981 period to do it. <laughs> because it was, when you looked at the combination of 
effluent management and buying met water, better to recycle it, it made more sense. This is the same type of situation. So I guess I would encourage you to think about it from that perspective. Also, if you look at those other four alternatives, they too will cost more today Absolutely. than they did. And I don't see there'll be a huge differential. They're all under the engineering news record construction cost index uh, to elaborate for you what it means. And I think you're realizing that some of those um, wouldn't benefit the city as much to have that flexibility. So just, just a comment from somebody who's been down this road. Thank you. So. Okay, hold on. Yep. Commissioner Mulligan, please. I just want to add to that line of thinking. City's other supplies are all at risk, almost all at risk. Fox Canyon's gonna be reduced dramatically. All the river supplies, Ventura River, Santa Clara mm -hmm. River, State Water Project, are all going to be decreased over time due to environmental regulation. Mm -hmm. This supply is necessary. It's a firm supply and um, it's expensive and that's hard to take, but it needs to be built and it's gonna cost what it's gonna cost regardless of what the estimates have been or will be. Uh, we just need to do it as inexpensively as possible, but it needs to be built. And those other ones don't provide the benefit at the, at the same, at a reasonable cost. I would like to suggest that we accept this report and um, also that we postpone the next item, if that's okay with you, because it's getting really late and I'm losing my own functionality. <laughs> so, so I, I actually have a little bit of a different perspective on this. I understand the regulation and new regulations coming. Regulations will always come. The consent decree is basically the thing that's handcuffing us, if I understand this correctly, with our water supply currently. And so when do we reach a point, Mr. Hogan, when complying with the consent decree becomes overly burdensome to the ratepayer? And can we position through an exhaustive review of the work that's been done by the water department to try to comply with the consent decree and realizing that it's become overly burdensome to the ratepayer, is there an opportunity to go back to the court and ask the court for some relief on complying with the consent decree? Um, Commissioner Amendola, I would like to uh, provide you with a more um, expansive answer at, at the next meeting, um, but the short, the short answer is that um, despite the consent decree, these um, requirements will still be needed under state law and regulations. Um, the consent decree, frankly, was kind of ahead of its time and the regulations have now caught up. Um, most other agencies that have a wastewater discharge to the ocean are now being required to reduce that discharge and put it to beneficial reuse right. under the California Recycled Water Policy. And we're starting to see that in NPS permits throughout the state. And that's and, what the governor just signed recently. Um, it is, yes, it is a state uh, a right. document. So okay. um, 
So regardless of the consent decree, uh, the city would still need to be addressing the concerns with the endangered species um, and regulations that uh, control our discharge to the estuary. Um, but I can get back to you um, more on your question at the, at the next meeting in the interest of time. Look, I come from a business that was heavily contentious against regulation and overburdening ratepayers with onerous regulations. And look, there's been a lot of good work that's been done by staff. That's indisputable. And it's just a matter of if it's the compounding effect of the increased costs and change orders and inflation, if that is overly burdensome to the ratepayer. I mean, here's the dilemma. My back of a cocktail napkin, well, actually my calculator on my cell phone, I estimate, and this is my estimate, uh, don't hold me to this, but with the 550 million capital cost, not including debt service, that puts us up with debt service up over a billion dollars, okay? We had a 7% compounding rate increase over what, five years? That just happened and we're about two years into it? Six and seven. Okay, so that, that basically is doubled people's bills within the next three years. Okay, but now what's happening is you're going to add an extra $100 to recapture this water cure program on top of that bill already doubling. So for the average family in town, I mean, we're looking at, again, just my guesstimates, $3,600 a year just to pay their water and sewer bill. And I think that's really harmful to the residents of this city that are just trying to make ends meet, especially the lower income people. And I realize there's potential for subsidies, but these are hard conversations we have to have. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to have these conversations. And thank you, Commissioner Amandola. It we'll upsets me. So here's here's where I'm going with this. We cannot unring the bell, but we can put council and staff on notice that the commission intends to tear into the program and the cost estimates to check assumptions and accuracy. And you know. That, that's where we are. I, I think we just need to dig into this with these ad hoc committees. And I understand workshops, 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 excuse me. And I understand what Chairperson Cleet is saying. I understand. Right. I truly yeah. do. Yeah, it's, it's a very hard, almost impossible thing with the cost versus the actual supply of water. And the city has done an incredible job on conservation, and that's going to need to continue. And we need to look at any resource that we can, this grant program. No matter what direction we go, it's going to be more than $500 million. I can't imagine that D-Cell is going to be any no, less expensive. If they no. even permit it. You never get it. Yeah. You get permits. At, right. I mean, the Coastal Commission approved this outfall thing, I was shocked at how easy that went. 
You're not going to get that with these, so. So I'd like to move that the Water Commission receives the report for staff recommendations, but that we as a Water Commission do not endorse nor accept its findings. Miles already spoke about that. Okay. Yeah. So we're covered? We're covered. Thank you. Covered. One I'd quick like question. The albatross, albatross is kind of around our neck right now, the, the enterprise, and uh, we're providing water to the city of Ventura. Maybe city council needs to uh, help find some resolution to this and figure out a way to pay for this project that's going to be way more than we expected, but they want to do a lot of building and they want to add a lot of citizenry uh, in their own homes or apartments or whatever. You know, we're going to have to share some of the pain. This is not something the ratepayers can take on all themselves. I can't explain $550 million when I tell people, oh, it'll be about $350 million, and they shake their head like, you got to be kidding me. The, the yeah. next one, they're going to say, what are you thinking? What are you doing to the city? And I, I don't have an explanation, but we do need the water. Right, and yes, I'm very is familiar entirely, with the... Is it entirely our problem? It's all of our problem, I think. So, um, Commissioner Ackerman, and in commission, you are all going through the emotions that we have been going through as we've been going through this cost estimate. Um, our, our purview, our responsibility is to provide water for the city of Ventura, and we are not insensitive to the fact of how much this is going to cost. We are bringing this to you tonight. It is sort of the preliminary introduction to the information that we have. We have um, already put that we're going to put a special meeting in because we are we already we already implement we already activated our rate consultant to say what is this going to be. We have our financial team here with us. Um, we're meeting on a biweekly basis. We're meeting with our financial advisor. We are going to look at every option that we can um, because we know what the value of the water is for the city. We know that the city has done an amazing job in conserving. But we also have this responsibility to grow as a city and to build as a city and to maintain a water supply. So um, we're going to bring this back to you. I don't, um, it won't even, I don't think we anticipate that it's going to be an acceptance. It's going to be another informational portion. When we go to city council, we're going to give them this information. You're providing us with a lot of concern and feedback that we're going to take back and we're going to try to address those concerns. We're going to come back on the 8th and we're going to give, you're going to give us more recommendations on how to present this to council. And then what we're asking council is, hey, we know we're at this bracket. We know there's additional funding. We're not going to make this decision. This is a long process in making the decision how we go forward. We still have a lot of evaluation, but we want to at least get the opportunity on the board for some additional funding to find out how we could reduce those impacts on ratepayers. So I really do appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the passion. We feel the same way. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, Commissioner Chairman Clay. You Clyde, wanted, yes. sorry, you wanted to move. Uh, I, I just would like to move on from this. We can just accept the report. We don't need to vote on it. Uh, I would like that we postpone the uh, item number six uh, on the artist thing. So we, you can make a motion to postpone that? Um, Ms. Sumansky, is, is that time sensitive or is it okay if it's uh, um, pushed to a, uh, a future meeting? I think it's fine if we push it to a future meeting. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I move that we 
I, I will go ahead and move, and somebody can second. Move I appoint that, that we uh, postpone item six, appointment of the selection committee for artists, et cetera, et cetera, <coughs> until future meeting. George seconded. And call for the vote. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Amendola? Yes. Commissioner Armbruster? Yes. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner Savage? Yes. Vice Chair Aranio? Yes. Chair Clay? Yes. And the motion passes with seven eyes. Okay. Uh, <sighs> yes. Next item is to elect a chair since I am oh. leaving the commission and I am the chair. I will sit out this, uh, I will not vote on this. Um, so um, I guess, uh, Commissioner Aranio, you want to take over running this part of the meeting? Vice <laughs> chair. <laughs> okay, before the uh, committee or before the commissioners to decide, since uh, Commissioner Side has decided to leave us, going to another problem going county, to another, yeah, <laughs> state there, and because this is not uh, as she's just uh, sick or unavailable for the next meeting, as I've been informed by city council or attorney miles uh, there does need to be a, a election held to for her replacement and so at this time I will open up a uh, motion from one of the fellow commissioners as to how you would like to fill that position and um, and uh, vice chair Ronio um, first we would uh, call for any nominations so there can be multiple nominations on the floor instead of making a motion for a just one person so um, you can call for um, nominations for anybody for the position of chair we'll start off with uh, nominations for the chair at this point and then we'll see if we need to do anything for vice chair I'll nominate you Commissioner Aranio I second that okay may I have a, uh, any discussion no you're and uh, <laughs> Commissioner Aranio, you accept the nomination? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just say yes. <laughs> yes. I, I just wanted to add, I, I think it's very important to have someone who's been on the commission for a while to help us through this process uh, as we all are learning and not s stepping on any landmines. So it would be very helpful to have someone who's been on the commission already. Thank you. Any other uh, comments or questions? Call for the vote. Any public speakers? Any public speakers? No. We do not. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, no, we should um, we should vote on the chair first, and then uh, once that decision is made, if necessary, then we could uh, um, call for nominations for vice chair. Commissioner Ackerman. Yes. Commissioner Amendola. Yes. Commissioner Armbruster. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner Savage? Yes. Vice Chair Ronio? Yes. And Chair Clay is abstaining, so that passes with six ayes and one abstain. Okay. Uh, for this point now, and we need to find uh, someone that is willing to be Vice Chair. And so I will open up the uh, floor for nominations of Vice Chair. I'd like to nominate Commissioner Ackerman. Okay. Okay, I'll go ahead and second that. 
Thank you. I accept it. <laughs> accept. Yes, and I said okay. okay well, yeah. yeah, it's late. Okay. <laughs> it was late. Yes, I accept your nomination. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, any discussion or any questions uh, from the fellow commissioners? Any from the audience? Please roll call. Commissioner Ackerman. I abstain. Commissioner Amendola. Yes. Commissioner Arnbister. Yes. Commissioner Mulligan. Yes. Commissioner Savage. Yes. Vice uh, Chair Aranio. Yes. That motion passes with five ayes and two abstains. Thank you. Congratulations, team. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Good. All right. Good Thank team. you, sir. Okay, on to item number eight, general manager's report with tentative schedule. Right in there. Awesome. Okay, so we did cover a lot of the council items. We talked about what's gone to council, what's been to council, and what's coming up. Um, I think real quickly, um, we want to talk about the agenda. Um, so a decision has been made with the city um, that city councils will be moved to Tuesday night. Um, <clears throat> so that leaves us with going to Monday nights. So water commission will be held now on Monday evenings starting um, in January of 2024. Um, <clears throat> so we are going to bring to you on uh, November 8th a special meeting um, that is on a Wednesday um, and that has to do with staff being at a conference for water reuse it's um, until the 7th so as soon as we get back from that conference we'll be here for a special meeting we'll be talking about the rate impacts for Ventura Water Pier we're going to bring back um, now the artist selection and we'll also be bringing to you a memorandum of understanding with uh, Casitas Municipal Water District regarding the rate increases. Um, so we'll be bringing you that terms and conditions. Staff is currently working on that with the um, Casitas staff. Then um, we will be taking the information to, <clears throat> excuse me, to the um, City Council on November 13th. And then we will be back here on November 28th. Um, Right now, we possibly have the connection fees. Like I said, we activated a rate consultant, and they are also working on the connection fees. So we don't know if that will be coming, um, but most likely we will be continuing our discussion of rate impacts on Ventura Water Pier. Um, we do have a local limits presentation. We had to have to we had to op uh, update our local limits per our NPDES permit, and those are going to be going to City Council for policy exception. So we need to bring that to you for review. Um, and then we do have um, a up outreach and conservation update um, for the end of the year that we typically like to bring to you. So hopefully we'll have time to, to uh, bring that with you. And that includes some uh, community outreach we're going to be doing in response to some new regulations, um, such as the, um, the lead uh, service line rule. Um, yes? What is local limits? So that is our discharge limits program. So. Um, the significant dischargers that discharge into our collection system that goes down to our wastewater treatment plant, they're under a permit as well. And so that we had to establish what loads that the, could be accepted at our wastewater treatment facility and therefore what loads we could accept um, up into our system. And um, so we will take the information you gave us about incorporating workshops and um, Possibly the 8th, but, but definitely on November 28th, we'll be bringing to you that next round of um, 
2024 meetings with the modified schedule going to Mondays. Um, just some notes, um, our Ventura water um, managers and supervisors have been doing um, guest speakers and professors at the Ventura College. Um, we've been outreaching to students there, doing demonstrations, um, taking them out to manholes in the facility, taking them out to service lines in the facility, showing them where backflows are, um, and talking about conservation. And uh, staff did attend the um, Chamber of Commerce event on October 2nd. We did an outreach booth there. And we did attend the County Board of Supervisor Matt Levere's walk in the watershed at the Ventura River watershed on um, Saturday, October 14th. Staff has been presenting um, to multiple local groups um, about Ventura Water Pier and the state water interconnection. So we have a lot of local, um, like Upper River, Lower River. Um, and uh, Linda's been on the road show with Jennifer Trebo giving presentations. And we will be attending and presenting to the United Water uh, Sustainability Summit this Thursday. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, um, several of our staff, is, we will be attending the Water Reuse California Annual Conference, um, and that'll be in November 5th through the 7th. And then thank you, Commissioner Clay. We wish you the best. Okay, you want to gavel us? Oh, no. Well, was there any questions from? Uh, Do have any questions? Any questions for Gina? All my dates were dated for Wednesdays in 2024 in the packet, not Mondays. Mm. Anyone else notice that? Mondays no, are typically good, council good meetings. <laughs> um, so just um, and then I was those are those are this past years. 2023. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I thought that was going forward. Okay. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought they were yep. going forward for 2024. Okay. Okay, so um, basically we don't have a 2024 calendar in front of us no. yet. No. Correct. Okay, great. So, but there were in some of the slides that this were discussed tonight some expectations of 2024 meetings. And that had to do with CIP. Correct. And some of the CIP review. And then the rates. All right, okay. So can we have an update on that with uh, maybe November 8th on what that schedule looks like? I, I will, we will do our best. We're gonna, we, we now have to incorporate these workshops and work with public works schedule and right. the council schedule. I have a business to plan for so. in my day life. So that's why I'm wondering if I might be able to look forward. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from the commissioners? Um, Commissioner Aranio, if I could just make one um, comment. Uh, to get off on the right foot with you as chair, we've gotten a little bit lax about um, decorum during the meetings, so the chair should really be the one conducting the meeting and commissioners um, should really wait to be called on um, by the chair so that the chair can um, run the meeting uh, efficiently, uh, make sure they're giving equal speaking time, etc. So I just want to give that friendly reminder, and so hopefully um, we start off uh, on the right foot for uh, Chair Ranio at the next meeting. Thank you. Message received. Susan. Would it be possible 
to angle the table just a little bit so that we can see each other. That would be good. We hear better if we can see each yeah. other. Yeah, it, would be, it would be really helpful to kind of put this back part in a V because we're, we're leaning forward and trying to get attention and I think that would be help, very helpful yeah. to us. Yeah. I think it, it would help with the issue of who needs to be in calling and stuff too to have a little more visual. And also hearing, it's very, very difficult to hear in here. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. thank you. Okay, if there be anything else, uh, seeing no hands, no one's jumping up and down.